Hello, welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bird. And I'm Matt Farmley. And that's uh, Chris Marty making an idiot of himself in the background <laughs> with whatever sound he's making. I, that's <laughs> a, a up, upsetting noise. Um, <clears throat> So yes, uh our friend Chris Marty who um did our theme music and made our cool logo that if you're listening, I'm sure you've seen. Um welcome back. Thank you. Well, they've probably seen the logo and heard the music. If they've seen the music and heard the logo, congratulations. <laughs> uh and and that high-pitched cackle you just heard is uh our other guest of the evening, uh, Mr. Jared Faust. Hi, hello. hello. I think Hi. that's the second time you've introduced me that way. <laughs> oh, well, I, that, I would not you be surprised by that. Yes. It's um, true. Uh, Chris is known, uh, he has a musical moniker, Cosmic Monster, and Jared, I think, uh, on the socials, um, I, I guess Xenofauna is your, I don't know, your My thing that you create under? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, why why do we have these clowns uh, with us today? Um, well, we're going to talk about fan films, kaiju fan films, uh, including one that uh, they just finished. Um, Ultraman Sorta versus Godzilla. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, I think to set a, a clear definition of what we're considering a fan film, um, I'm I'm looking at uh, amateur movies featuring established characters. So yes, while you know you could, there's different parodies and different. Uh, <clears throat> original uh amateur kaiju films these are ones that uh that use characters that are from existing IPs so um that that's how we're we're narrowed down here so uh i have to admit i i'm i've gotten better i i kind of see the appeal a little more now but um i still somewhat don't really get <laughs> fan films um and hopefully these guys can maybe help me figure that out um what like why especially jared's because he because he's done quite a few uh at this point or worked on quite a few I, I like am, what I'm the recovering fan filmmaker yes so so what why why make a f- the, the, and this is part of what i don't always understand is why make a fan film when you could make, you know, your own original characters. Like, what, what's the appeal of doing a fan film? And, uh, like, why, why, why go through all this with something like, I don't know, anything, Godzilla, any character, when you could make, like, your own? Yeah, Jared, why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's, it's an indulgence. I mean, but I think on some level, like, all filmmaking... A lot of filmmaking comes from a certain indulgence, especially like fantasy filmmaking. Like 
you know, even if you make something original, there's there's kind of that like, oh, I want to do I want to do what I saw Harryhausen do. I want to I want to do what I saw George Lucas do, you know. And I think fan filmmaking is kind of like the ultimate indulgence in that. Um, you wanna you wanna play with these things that appeal to you. Um, and that, you know, I think I think fan work, like both fan art, fan film, fan fiction. You know, I do. I think there's a very genuine like appreciation that it, it, it it's born out of, where like you you have these things you really love, and it's like well, I want to play with that. You know, and I don't think it's too dissimilar to like like prior to the existence of copyright, the way that characters would be bandied about. You know, like I don't know, like stories of Greek mythology, how there's like so many different variations on how how those work. You know, and and how different like. <clears throat> playwrights and shit would kind of play around with those ideas you know um well i think i think you also get some of that now also with like with stuff that's in public domain like uh dracula sherlock holmes yeah so for on sure and so forth yeah you know and and i mean i mean some of it when it comes to public domain stuff like then you kind of have to sort through people who are doing it kind of cynically because that's what they can get their hands on but then, yeah, like they're still like, oh, well, I I can do this. Like, there's nothing stopping me compared to like doing like, a Godzilla fan film. Um, <clears throat> you know, but I, I, you know, I I think it's there. There is this kind of desire to like you love something so much that you want to express yourself through that. Yeah, I, I definitely understand it more than I did a number of years ago, uh, especially like. Seeing how many how many people that have gone on to success like started making fan films it, like I, to me now it's I see it as more of like a, a like a almost like a a showcase for someone's talents or whatever like what's what's that like re, that there's a Batman Dead End mm-hmm. which has like the Predator and all that and like that was made as like a showcase of like what what these people could do. <clears throat> and and that helps them, you know, put together, you know, uh, demo reels and stuff like that, and that's how they get jobs. So yeah, and I, I mean, I, I I get that part way more now than I than I used to. I mean, I th- I think it's kind of evolved a little too. I mean, like I wasn't around in the sixties and seventies, so like I can't say for sure like what kind of traction any fan films got. But to me, when I look at the way things were made back in the day you see kind of a very clear, um, a lot of times it's people wanting to recreate things that they that they saw and enjoyed because home video didn't exist at the time. So if you wanted to watch it again, you had to wait for it to come on TV or see a, a re-release in theaters, or you could just make it yourself, you know? Right. Um, and then now, you know, now there's more of a, hey, you know, if I want to do some of these characters and by doing something with these characters, putting it on the Internet, I'll get more attention to my work than if I did something wholly original right out of the gate, which, you know, we'll go into it more later. But that's kind of where I was coming from with the movie we're going to talk about that I did um, in, in, a, in a kind of very meta way, you know. <clears throat> And on top of that, I mean, in the in the world of algorithms that we live in, if you do something that someone knows about already, chances are they're going to run into it as opposed to a completely original idea, which they're not going to run into it. And the opportunity to even get someone interested in something that you're doing that is original is less and less likely than if you use something they're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I mean, there's there like it. Like I said, it's an indulgence. I think in in certain amounts, I think it's great. 
Um, but like any indulgence, you can overindulge. Like yeah. see, we both you know, did I... today, try to run through all these fan films. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite what I was going with, but I mean, yeah, you know, and so, <clears throat> you know, and you know, yeah, so you, you can overindulge in this. You, you can take it a bit too seriously, take it a bit too far, you know, um, not really, like, like kind of get, like, too, like, get a little too blinders, blinders on for just making fan films as opposed to evolving beyond it. Mm-hmm. You know, then I think you run into some issues. Um, but, I mean, and, and same for, like, fan art. And then you kind of become pigeonholed in this. And then if you even wanted to do something original, you have a harder time getting out of that. And, and you know, you have less for people to latch on to you as a creator. And yeah. so they just, they're watching it because they're a, fa- they're a fan of the character. They're not a fan of you. Right. So that's kind of the, the balance you have. Like, if you, if you are trying to use it as, like, to pull people in... You definitely need to be able to back it up then with like you as a creator, like you know what do you bring to the table? And I think Kaiju Kaiju is probably the least fan film friendly <laughs> genre. Like some some are like you can with with the right tools and 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 things at your disposal, you can you can probably do a pretty decent fan film. Like for example. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but I know, like, there hasn't been a Friday the 13th movie since 2009. There's this one guy that has done, I think, two at this point, Friday the 13th fan films that are like, yeah, these guys know how to make cheap gore effects, and they're not making the real thing right now, and I haven't met you watch those, right? Yeah, they're they're actually pretty fun. Yeah, like, that's what I keep hearing is, like, they're the next best thing if no one's gonna make new ones. (laughs) Well, yeah, do you guys that. remember the uh, that Mortal Kombat series on YouTube? Yeah, that, was I, that ended up. Uh, yeah, and that ended up getting like they the the studio. I guess Warner Brothers, New Line, whatever. They ended up putting that on DVD. They that it it got so popular. Nice. <clears throat> so um, I guess that brings us to your uh, Ultraman sort of versus Godzilla, starring Matt Frank, the movie. Yes. Um. So, uh, as, um, I, well, just overall, what is it about Tokusatsu that appeals to you enough that you want to make it? And, you know, what do you look for as, like, you know, I guess your own standard for how you feel like it should look? I mean, to me, um, I mean, I, I was an art major, so I've always been, uh, very art minded and 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 within that like i'm very much a, a physical tactile person i like you know paint you know pencil um not very much for digital and so like the really tactile quality of tokusatsu has been really um kind of what i'm obsessed with um whereas you know the idea of like realism quote unquote is less important to me versus like the feeling that i could reach out and touch something on screen you know, um, like that's that's really interesting to me. And then also because of that, because of the way it's produced, it's a lot more interesting. Like one of the things that I've said before is that um, like a mediocre practical effect to me is always more interesting than a mediocre CG effect. And in many cases, a mediocre practical effect is more interesting to me than like some of the best of the best CG effects. Like when you have digital stuff, 
and it's iterative. So it's like it's like going over, like you know, doing so many passes at it. It's just like I feel like to a certain extent. I mean, budget and time aside, like yeah, I, I should really hope it looks good, <laughs> you know, um, versus a lot of practical stuff because many many times you only have like one chance to get it on on camera. I just find that a lot more interesting, a lot a lot cooler to look at. What do you um, when you watch like a, a movie or a show and you say these are great miniature effects? What are you looking for? Like, what does uh, a that lot mean of times I'm looking for depth in shots. Like, there's a lot of shots that don't actually have a lot of miniatures, but because they have a really well defined foreground, midground, background, they have this great like diorama feel to them. Um, like I like I. Generally speaking, if it's like if it's like a shoulder height shot and like there's no real like size to it, it doesn't really interest me as much. Things start to feel kind of dry and 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 um, stage like. But even even then, like I still, you know, like watching like old Sentai shows, like that's kind of the style for those because they don't they don't really put as much work into it. I feel as like Tsuburaya does with Ultraman. Um, but even then, I find that kind of charming in its own right. But yeah, generally, I, what I think is really good. Like really interesting framing, like lots of like little details in the foreground that kind of you know make it feel a little more real. Are those uh, the things that you think the Heisei Godzilla films lack? A lot of times, yeah. I feel I feel like um, the that's a big question because the Heisei Godzilla films in many ways are. I mean, they they use a lot of similar techniques to the Showa era, because um, the Showa does have a lot of stuff at like shoulder height, but because because things are uh, are smaller for the Heisei era, like it's harder to get detail in that way. And then yeah, and then I feel like Kawakita in the Heisei Godzilla films didn't do enough of that like ground level stuff in the foreground kind of stuff, you know. Um, and I just, I just don't think it works as well. Like some of my, like a lot of my favorite shots that Kawakita has done, like yeah, they actually do have a lot of depth, and you, you kind of get a, a much better feel of like being in a city as opposed to being on a stage. <clears throat> All right, so making sense. <laughs> nah, it's making enough sense. <laughs> um, so, so uh, your your new short. Uh, the Ultraman sorta is a series of short films that you were doing what like right out of high school. So yeah, like 20, <laughs> 20 years ago or something. Uh, um not twenty years ago, damn. <laughs> uh, Two thousand six, we're we're closer we're, we're closer we're there. Years, we're closer to that than oh, any God. of us would probably like to believe. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, well so those shorts, where where did the the the, the genesis of, of those come from? What what motivated you to make those? I was messing around with doing um like so originally I, I was I was messing around with doing special effects on the computer, like trying to do I didn't have After Effects or anything, all I had was Photoshop. But I was interested in trying to do the the Spacium beam because I was just getting into Ultraman in like two thousand five. So like Ultraman Nexus, Ultraman Max. Um, because it was right after Final Wars had come out. I'm like, I, I need something else. I need something else because I I just rediscovered Kaiju, 
and I was like going way harder than I ever had before. I'm like, I need more. And so I wanted to do the, the, the Ultraman Spacium effect, and I went out into my hallway and I shot a thing, me doing the pose, and then I, ed- I animated the, the effect in frame by frame in Photoshop. I'm like, oh, that's fun. And then a little later, I saw the uh, Hidekiano Return of Ultraman, <clears throat> and that kind of blew my mind because it that was that film really kind of made me aware that like oh you know with enough work like this is accessible this is more accessible than I realized like doing these miniature effects and stuff that I love so much you know versus like because I, I I always kind of wrote it off as as being like well. <clears throat> You know, like that's 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 way in the future if that ever happens because you need like a studio. You need like I I just imagine the full Toho. You know, you need you need all that to be able to do it. A big uh, pool, big pool, big big pool. Yeah, really big, big pool stages, tons of buildings. And then I saw the Return of Ultraman thing and the little the little the little making of they had with it, and I'm like, oh, like that that looks really that actually looks really simple in many in many regards. Like it's not simple per se but it's like it, it's a lot more accessible um and i didn't actually do miniatures for a few more years after that but i did make an ultraman costume that directly ripped off anno's i just the only difference is i actually had the mask because i needed it for a costume party and it was going to be obscure enough with the mask <laughs> uh let alone just going the full doing the full anno with the glasses and just the jacket um, and I, I wanted to sculpt the mask. And then, okay, now I have this costume. And so then I went out into my yard the summer of 2006. And I did this little three-minute short that I called The Brief Adventure of Ultraman, Sorta. And I played every character. Um, I played the monster. I played the first person who gets killed by the monster. Uh, the monster was uh, a Godzilla, uh, the head of a Godzilla suit that I had built a couple years before um with a trench coat <laughs> oh a trench coat and a beret <laughs> um and uh and then i played the bystanders and, the, and then the, the joke of it, it was all human size because it was just me fucking around out in my yard and the joke was oh look it's ultraman yeah it's sort of ultraman um and that, that was it and then a couple of years later, uh, some friends of mine and I went to our first G-Fest. And as we were packing up, I had my, my dad's camera, the, uh, the same camera that I shot Ultraman Sorta on. And fun fact, the same camera that um, Yuri Tachibana carries during GMK. Um, little, little Sony Handycam. Um, and I just like, hey, guys, I have my dad's camera. Let's shoot a sequel to Ultraman Sorta. So we did Ultraman Sorta 2, which was um, a little more ambitious, but still human-sized and very, very silly. And then I showed that at G-Fest the next year, and everyone loved it. And uh, I was like, I want to make more. <laughs> I want to do more of these. Um, which, you know, was not necessarily the best idea I ever had. Because, <laughs> well, eventually yeah, you got, what, Akira Takarada? Was he in one of them? And Don, I know Don Fry was in one as well. Don Fry was in, was in episode two. Uh, Akira Takarada, I talked to him about making a cameo, but I was ne- and he said yes, but I, was, I wasn't able to, like, wrangle him afterwards. And then we shot footage with Kenji Sahara for... Uh, Ultraman Sorta versus Mecha Sorta, which was a whole 
like Jun Fukuda homage. Um, and I lost that footage in the same hard drive issues that I originally lost the Ultraman Sword of versus Godzilla footage. Way to go! Yeah, no, I know. I have I have one screenshot that proves that it once existed, <laughs> and I there it might still be on a tape somewhere. But I think that tape is with a roommate that I don't really talk to anymore. <laughs> All right, well, um, and so. Yeah, I and I because I, I looked really hard because I thought um, there was a, there's a sequence in Ultraman Sword vs Godzilla where I actually snuck in a couple of the shots that I was able to recover from that same film, um, but they existed in very short little clips. And because it's like this little broken up staticky news segment, I was able to work them in that way. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to recover the full footage from that film and so i could not find the kenji sahara clip even though it would have worked there <laughs> i tried really hard i was like really no um, as per tradition with fan films yeah and i actually actually uh i contacted uh marty like what four days three days before we were actually set to release sort of versus godzilla and i said the good news the good news is that I'm not going to halt everything to make you change the sound mix <laughs> because I because I did not find a clip, which is the bad news. Because <laughs> um, I thought I thought I, I thought I had a lead on it and I did not. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we we tried to do like two or three other films. There, I think I think uh, we had a script for episode three, which was going to be a little more Ultra Seven, and I wanted to do something a little. A little, I hate to say the word darker because I just hate that he's a bug. In context, it's really funny to hear. But in context, it's really funny to hear. But I want it. I want it like more, like less, less like you know, kaiju killer edge lord, but more of that, like you know, like mirror man ultra seven feel. You know what I mean? Um, where it's just it's it's a yeah, I don't know, a little a little darker sci fi without being like grim edge lord bullshit. Um, and then that we, we shot all of two scenes for that. Um, and it was kind of like the script was constantly getting rewritten and just never, never felt right. And then we did uh, Ultraman sort of versus Mecha Sorta. And because that was so that was a lot more seat of the pants. Like we, we were we were like writing scenes the night before we would actually the day that we would be shooting them. And we just kept adding scenes to it and it just kept getting weirder and weirder. And we would like reshoot things. And I estimated that if we finished the film, because like none of the special effects stuff got shot, except for one scene that eventually was going to get cut because I wanted to replace it with like I wanted to go full miniatures with the finale of that of that episode. And um if we had finished it, I think it would have been 40 minutes long. I think it would have been like just scraping in at the feature length mark. <laughs> and it was just, it was all just like really madcap weirdness, you know, but like compared to, I mean, in some ways, after having watched all the fan films that we did for this, I'm glad it didn't get finished and I did not release a 40 minute long fan film of Ultraman, sort of. Um, but on the other hand, compared to some other things that I've seen, it was it was very dynamic and like very like punchily edited what what we did finish that like I do kind of miss some of those sequences and I kind of want to file the serial numbers off and like revisit some of those scenes even without the fan film part of it. 
I am I'm curious, Jerry. Can you talk about the construction of like the the miniatures? Because I mean, when I watched this, I was actually really impressed with how they're staged and like they fall apart and different things. So how did you come up with the miniatures and and how did you shoot them? I mean, the 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 the, the fun slash weird interesting thing about Ultraman sort of versus Godzilla is it's kind of a culmination of everything that I was working on up to that point in terms of like all the miniatures that got built for it. Um, cause originally like, even like, like I said, all the, all the gushing that I did about Anno's film, like I still didn't actually do anything with miniatures for a couple more years. Cause it still felt like, ah, I'm not quite ready for it. And I remember one day I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's try building a miniature and see what we can do. And so we went and we, I talked to, I talked to this like architecture student from, I was at Georgia state, they were at Georgia tech. I'm like, Hey, can you, you know, can you help us design some miniatures? And they sent us back some generic buildings and we used that as our blueprint. And we built this like little, like, you know, foot and a half tall little office building and we aged it up real well and everything. And then I took it out into the driveway and took a photo of it with the real sky behind it and a little miniature tree that I had assembled out of some um, conifer or whatever. Um, and I started sending it to people without any context. And they were like, oh, what's this? Is this like the new apartment you moved into? And uh, like people were convinced that it was real. And I'm like, okay, cool, I can do this. <laughs> um, and then from there, we just, we, it was really chaotic. I'm a, I'm a really... I am not the most organized creator. And so from, from 2008, when we did Ultraman sort of two all the way up to like 2013, when was, when we did the, the special effects footage for Ultraman sort of versus Godzilla, or at least the, the bulk of the special effects footage for the reshoots. Um, like we were like building miniatures and writing scripts and building miniatures and writing scripts. And sometimes we would shoot some test footage and sometimes we would shoot like these little fake trailers um, and just, and not really finishing much of anything. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was, it was a very experimental period. Uh, so I don't necessarily regret it. Um, but like all those old miniatures were foam core. Um, uh, oh yeah. Also, all those miniatures were were foam core, and then like like some of them, um, some of the miniatures, like you, if you notice, like there's like Japanese writing on some of the miniatures in Ultraman Sword versus Godzilla, because those were initially built for Sci-Fi Japan. Because when they were doing their little TV show, I was actually going to do uh, a little opening for them. Um, and we built all these like Japanese style buildings, like a ton of them. And the deadline kept approaching, and like we we weren't quite done with the the stuff. And finally, I'm like, okay, we're gonna change what the sequence is gonna be. Um, rather, rather, like I, I just I bit off more than I could chew. And then when I came up with a better idea to like, okay, well here here we're gonna do this real quick. And then the one day we had to shoot in order to make the deadline, it poured. So. <laughs> They wound up doing their own opening. <laughs> um, but so now I had all these extra miniatures left over, and so I had a nice little a nice little city populated. So when it finally came time to do Ultraman sort of versus Godzilla, I had a lot more to work with. Um, but they're all foam core, 
Um, you know, just you get it at Hobby Lobby or, or Michael's. Um, I recommend using a coupon. You can get a lot of good stuff that way um, for a lot cheaper. Um, and then the building that breaks apart, uh, the building that breaks apart is it's drywall. Um, so it has a nice crumble to it. But on the other hand, it still also has that paper on the outside. So it didn't quite crumble the way if we had like actually cast the building out of plaster. Uh, let's and it was, let's it talk was, about let's talk about Billy then for a second in the Godzilla yeah. suit. Why was the decision you know for that suit and to use Billy made? How did that come about? So that came about the same reason the whole film came about. Basically, there's this giant uh, there's there's this really giant uh, science fiction fantasy convention here in Atlanta called DragonCon. Like a lot of people have heard about it, and um, Matt Matt Frank. A uh, good friend of mine, illustrator, kaiju, illustrator, infamous, etc. Um, he was coming into town for his first Dragon Con to be in the artist alley. And by sheer coincidence, uh, Billy was coming to Dragon Con and he was he was going to bring his Godzilla suit along. And so me, ever the opportunist, <laughs> was like, oh my god, let's do Ultraman Sorta versus Godzilla starring Matt Frank. Um Let's just put all of this all in one movie, and and literally the whole thing was was a joke from the start because it was, um, you know, because I was releasing, I what I'd released Ultraman sort of one, two, um, I think at that point I had done Agra, which was a little fake trailer that I had I had made, and Terror Misu, which is another little fake trailer, and maybe one or two other shorts that I had online. I'm not really sure, but basically. Uh, I wasn't really able to get the attention of like the kaiju community, even though I was doing all these little miniature shorts. Like everyone who saw them was like, "Oh, these are really cool," but like most people were not watching them. Um, and so I reasoned that if I had Godzilla and Matt Frank in a short film, that that would get attention. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, this. You started this a very long time ago, and you just now actually finished. Why? Why did the? Why did it take so long for you to be like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna finish this thing. But there, like in the script we had written, there were still more scenes, and so I just I like I kept thinking, okay, we're gonna film these scenes at some point. Like they didn't require Godzilla; they were there were these little extra scenes that we wanted to do with like people running and you know, things of that nature. Um, and so because of that, I just, I never finished the film. Like the, the edits that I had before last year, they all had like these placeholder cards for like, this will happen here. Um, and then I had a hard drive issue and lost all the footage. <laughs> uh, and for several years, I just assumed it was gone. And then last year, I was in the process of upgrading my computer, and I had all these hard drives that I hadn't touched in years. And I'm like, hey, let's actually try downloading like one of those fancy like recovery systems and see what it see what it finds. And so I, I did. I and I think I even wound up like getting getting the the fancy pro version just to make sure I could get everything. And um, a lot of it was a lot of footage that I found from old projects was too broken to do anything with, but I managed to find a complete, uh, I, I, as far as I can tell, a complete 
folder of the Ultraman Sword of Versus Godzilla footage. And when I'm reviewing all the footage, I'm just like, well, I, I should do something with this. I should finish it somehow. And I was thinking about like going really like going like another another step more meta with it because I didn't because I was just like, okay, well, we never finished it, but I'm not gonna I'm not about to go out and shoot more shit now. So maybe I can like do some weird glitch stuff or something. And then it turned out that oh no, actually, if I just rearrange some of these shots, the film is done. <laughs> it's uh, a complete film. So, um, Chris, uh, at this point. You come in to do the sound, the sound design. How did you get involved with with this? The March of last year, um, about March of last year, something really big happened, and <laughs> uh, a lot of us were were forced into our homes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing led to another, and next thing I knew. Uh, I was doing this. No, um, I, uh, I've, done, I've I worked on one of Jared Schwartz years ago, uh, Nevis Ex Machina, which has been cold from the internet. Um, it, it, I have I have it still. It might go back up online with the old Ultraman Sword of Shards at some point. Yeah, I mean, you can just trim off everything but the all, all everything but the 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 fancy pants stuff. You know what? My miniature reel is public, and the only worthwhile stuff from Nevis Ex Machina is in that. Yeah, let <laughs> the, my let music the public decide what's oh, worthwhile, that's sir. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> also, Ted Thomas. Ted Thomas's cameo is not in it either. <laughs> also true. Um, but yeah, I did that. I did that years ago. I did uh, music for that, and I made sound effects for a giant mechanical Santa uh, using some guitar effects pedals and other other such things. Um, and then he shot a test, put some test footage uh, that turned into a little kind of mood piece thing. And I, I threw together some different odd sounds and some sound design things for that. Um, what was the, what did you end up uh, naming that? Uh, I just called it Xenophon Aesthetic. Okay. Cause, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the cons, I, it was a film that I was going to do before quarantine. And I wanted to like, like get used to working with the actress who was going to be in it and my creature actor and the lenses because I hadn't really shot a lot with my new camera that I use now. And so yeah, I just I just I I just shot all these test things, and it wound up like, oh hey, look, we had this nice little sequence, and then I'm like, hey, hey Chris, uh, <laughs> can I get you to do something for this? <laughs> and I did something for it. So uh, what, then, what, yeah, it turned out great. So what what was your approach as a sound designer for for this? I know that you used a lot of um, actual like Ultraman sound effects and stuff. Um, all pretty much all the sound effects are Toho or Subaraya sounds from the fifties through the seventies, maybe a couple into the eighties, with a couple of exceptions. Um, I don't remember what the whip sound was that was last minute added for Giant Matt Frank. Oh, that was Ultraman Taro. Okay, we were like, we were both like, he needs something, and yeah. I was, I was in the middle of watching Taro, and I'm like, it needs to be this. <laughs> yeah, like the whip sound. But yeah, pretty much everything is is a, in a you know. Sourced from one or two publicly sourced libraries, and Jared sent some more effects over, and it was just kind of layering the well, this this roar from 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 this movie sounds right here, this sound effect sounds right here, and just kind of placing it there. And uh, the the thing that kind of was fun for me is because I've always been so obsessed with these sound effects and how they're made and the tonality of it, and and just, uh, just it's one of those like lifelong obsession things. When you hear it over and over, you're like, "Well, what is that sound?" And listening to it over and over again, I still don't know the answer to that question half the time. But 
they're still fascinating and fun to play with. So whenever possible, I just did very minimal to alter what was there. And what I kind of found was once you started just placing them in there, it was just kind of, oh, it's kind of, that's it. <laughs> and then the secret sauce was this one sound effect that there's a whole folder of them. There's called Monster Shuffles. And it's just like the sounds of the monsters shuffling around when they're fighting. And you just put that almost like at almost at random over a scene of monsters doing stuff. And it just sounds like the audio from a movie in the 1960s. It's just bizarre. Yeah. The more you try to sync it up perfectly, the worse it sounds. But the more you just sound like someone's just like slapping together pieces of, of tape, just cutting it as quickly <laughs> as they can to make it sound, you know, busy and exciting. It just like it you close your eyes and that's just what it was. Um, and that was for the, the sound design aspect of it for the music. I just, you know, some of it is, is, you know, trying to make as many, as many in jokes as I can with the, with the material. And yeah, just, cause I was going to say like when, when, when I found this and I, I, I came to Marty and I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? Cause he'd, he was telling me about some of the stuff he'd done on the little mood piece that we did. And it was just like really nerdy stuff. And like, he was like, it was like stuff. No one is going to know, but I know that I did it. <laughs> and I just like, okay, can, can you do that? But for a full like fan film and just go like really nerdy with it. And like the only guideline that I gave him and I said, no, if <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Cause it really is like it's kind of it's reached the point of exhaustion where it's everyone's so gotten so beholden to all of this that like even if it totally doesn't fit, it's like, but why don't you have the iconic thing that I know? Yeah, uh, I don't know that the, that would work in something this silly. <laughs> yeah, and the only <laughs> the only place I found a place to put it in was the sinister cease and desist order showing up. And, was, and yeah. because because I told him absolutely no Fukube when that came on, I just died laughing like when he sent when he sent over his first pass at the mix i just i just died like, i could have uploaded it that day like it was like this is like it wound up getting better but it was just already like holy shit this is amazing <laughs> I, I am curious chris what was the most challenging part of the sound design for this? um picking out some of the song the songs the music for it was kind of like well where do we go from here uh so I was like, all right, well, I can source these little tiny clips from here and there for for the little tiny interstitial things, like the, the logo in the beginning, and some of the things were sourced from Japanese TV shows, but, like, the real Godzilla's destroying shit. What what do we want to do? Well, I've always wanted to hear Ennio Morricone over Godzilla destroying things. <laughs> so I was just going through my Morricone collection until I found this one piece of music that ended with this four-note chromatic thing that was like that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da that Reminded me just enough of what people have done who aren't Yves Kube, where they're trying to kind of lean into that a little bit. The rest of it sounds nothing like it, but it just was enough that it fit in there. Um, that was probably the hardest thing, was figuring that out. And, you know, I'm mixing some of the dialogue that was just, at, you know, shot at Atlanta streets. And I'm like, well, I gotta <laughs> reduce reduce the background noise, and there's, like, some brakes squealing over one part, and I'm like, I just can't do anything about this. I've tried. I've tried cutting it. I've tried noise reducing. I've EQ'd. I've done everything, and it's there. Um, but, the yeah. Guerrilla filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really just, like, alright, what, what the hardest part was figuring out what suit each scene, and some of it is, like, 
toward when Godzilla shows up at the end and and surprises uh, Sorta and and knocks him over, it was like I chopped up uh, pieces from Godzilla's Revenge, overlaid music from Morricone's Danger Diabolic score, and oh then mixed together when when giant Matt Frank appears, it was like something from the Just Beyond soundtrack, and then yes. mixed with mixed with the Ifukube Toho logo from Godzilla vs. Destroya. I just was like cutting together pieces of music here and there wherever it fit. No, the the short turned out really well. Um, people can check it out on YouTube, of course. It, it, um, it, it, the, the final short is better than it has any right to be. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun, silly uh, little time. Um, well, thank you guys for talking about that. Um, I guess we can now move into... The next chunk of the podcast, which is kaiju fan films, because there's a lot of them, um, <laughs> a surprising amount uh, are, are were the uh, kind of what I was saying earlier were some of the first things that a lot of uh, future pros would do. Um, so we're gonna give a um, a condensed. Yes, I said condensed history of kaiju fan films um and uh just kind of talk about some of the ones that um are really special or worth checking out luckily uh, most of these are pretty easy to find these days um which is kind of crazy um so fan films is a concept goes all the way back to the 20s the first known fan film is uh one called anderson our gang uh, which is a Little Rascals fan film, 1926. Um, I mentioned uh, some people. So we're we're starting in the in the 50s, more or less here with 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 this stuff. Um, but some early uh, fan film creators included Bob Burns, Hugh Hefner, Andy Warhol, and John Carpenter. Um, as far as kaiju fan films go, um, as far as I can tell, the first known one. Uh, was made in 1952 by Nobuhiko Obayashi, who uh, I think people mostly know in the States for House, the 1977 uh, bonkers, crazy Toho horror movie. And he made a stop-motion King Kong uh, fan film um, when he was 14. That's the same year that Kong was re-released in Japan, um, and that re-release is is actually what... um, inspired Toho to make Godzilla. Um, Now, uh, so we're starting in the down dirty, super low budget, very primitive early days. Um, And uh, the first truly prolific fan film creator just in general um, for genre films was um, a fellow named Don Glute. He uh, did so many of them, he kind of popularized the concept of the fan film um, in the in America. Um, before uh, becoming a professional in the film industry, he used his interest in film to make 16-millimeter uh, amateur films starting at the age of 9 um, in 1953 up through 1969. Um, a lot of his stuff was made as uh, just him. Uh, as a one-man crew who would, you know, direct, edit, often star in, do all the uh, makeup effects, special effects, um, and then uh, he'd have a couple friends as actors, and that's it. Um, you know, they they were so cheap, they didn't even have sound equipment um, for most of him. 
his uh, his his material. Um, common subjects were dinosaurs, superheroes, uh, teenage monsters. You know, if you're familiar with the trend of '50s B movies, like I was a teenage Frankenstein, things like that. Um, but a lot of those were fan films that would feature famous characters like King Kong, um, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, Batman, Godzilla, the Wolfman, Captain America, Spider-Man, the Spirit, so on and so forth. Um, he gained a lot of no- notoriety as an underground filmmaker um, in uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland. He would send photos um, from his films along with letters um, regularly, and those would get featured in, in the magazines. And the, the, those were quickly circulated among other sci-fi magazines like Castle of Frankenstein, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, <clears throat> during a... a uh, uh, vacation to Hollywood right after he got out of high school, um, he got an opportunity to meet Forrest Ackerman of Famous Monsters, um, you know, B-movie historian and uh, collector and monster suit actor Bob Burns, the director Burt I. Gordon, and show them um, his stuff and make lifelong friends with a lot of those guys. Uh, he ended up using his uh, connections to uh, meet, you know, Veteran actors like um, Ken Duncan, who was in a lot of Ed Wood films, and also uh, Glenn Strange, who played the Frankenstein monster in some of the Universal movies. Um, Glenn Strange, he actually uh, got to uh, play the Frankenstein monster in his uh, Spirit fan film. Um, he was also able to, to get his hands on some props, like the actual Metaluna mutant head from This Island Earth. Um, he would later, uh, as a professional, write shows like Land of the Lost, Dino Riders, G.I. Joe, um, X-Men, um, comic books like Captain America, Star Wars, Thor, Ghost Rider. Um, he wrote the very famous novelization of Empire Strikes Back. Um, he also wrote an unused episode of the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla show. Um, and he now he makes a lot of B-movies that are just kind of like really low-budget, you know, boobs and monsters kind of things. Um he made a lot of dinosaur movies, though, um, and uh, he made some of those with some established kaiju characters. Um, he used stop motion um, He with these clay models he'd make. The the interesting thing about that is, you know, he made these as a kid, and as a kid he, he didn't know that O'Brien and Harryhausen's monsters were stop motion. He thought they were robotic or, or some kind of animatronic or something. Um, but he knew how cartoons were made, you know, frame by frame, and he applied that to clay models to make those characters um, move. Um, as far as uh, the actual kaiju stuff um, with these characters that he made, um, at 15, he made uh, a short um, called The Fire Monsters after seeing Gigantus. That would be... Um, have uh, Godzilla and Anguirus invading Chicago, where uh, Godzilla kills Anguirus and then um, climbs up the Prudential Building and falls off and dies. Um, which is funny because I, I just want now I want a Godzilla movie where he dies at the end because he climbs off a building and just f- <laughs> falls off. <laughs> um, Tor, King of Beasts, which was a, a remake of King Kong he made when he was eighteen, um, where Carl Denham goes uh, to space. 
for some reason, and um, finds a dinosaur-filled island, and of course captures the giant ape named Tor, and brings him to the U.S., and then Son of Tor, which was a sequel that he made in 1964, at 20 years old, um, which uh, had Denim return to the island where he would encounter Tor's son, Toro, as well as Godzilla, the Retosaurus, um, the Emir from 20 Million Miles to Earth, Gorgo, and the giant Behemoth. Um, these are very primitive and crude little films, um, but, uh, you know, at the time, there was really no kid just pumping out all these low-budget films. Um, learning about uh, Glute's films and Famous Monsters is actually what inspired a future USC student. Um, USC is the school where Glute uh, attended film school, um, where he'd be classmates with uh, guys like George Lucas. Um, but he, uh, the, his reading about his f- uh, films inspired John Carpenter to make his own amateur movies. One of those is uh, Godzilla vs. Gorgo, which most sources say Carpenter made when he was about 14. Um, Carpenter was uh, quoted you know, later on in his life about those days saying he wanted to be like Don Glute. He, Don Glute was the king. Um, I'm imagining Godzilla vs. Gorgo is probably similar to Glute's films. Um, and John Carpenter, it, he seems too modest and embarrassed by it to let it you know, see the light of day, but, uh, you know, hopefully that's something we can see sometime. Um, also, in 1969, there's a young cartoonist named Marv Newland who made the cult classic Bambi Meets Godzilla that I think everyone, at least in our age group, has seen. Um, and uh, also, around the same time, um, if we go to 1975, um, Tom Woodruff, the... Um, future special effects master who's worked on the alien series tremors a bunch of stuff he was making his own stop motion kong remake in 1975 um so uh yeah this is the early days of uh kaiju fan films um like i said very crude stuff but uh i guess you got to do what you got to do right (laughs) yeah and i mean i think because you're saying you're talking about uh Glute kind of starting this out, and I think it really kind of exploded. Like once, like because all of Glute stuff predates Super Eight, and so once Super Eight hits the market, it becomes like way easier for like yeah. a kid to get a camera, you know? Because like I got really interested um, in like Super Eight filmmaking and found out about a lot of this stuff through a magazine called Cinemagic, um, which was an offshoot of Starlog. And it was basically all like talking about like different techniques that kids and and amateur filmmakers could use to like do practical effects for their little Super Eight or you know if they're really ambitious sixteen millimeter films, um, which you know and a lot of those you know like a lot of that stuff like went towards fan films and especially like recreations of of you know. Again, a lot of the stuff in this area, in this era, I feel like are like recreations of things that you can't see on home video because home video doesn't exist yet. Yeah, um, and a lot of them are, are King Kong remakes. <laughs> right. It seems yeah. like everybody of a certain age group who got into the industry in any capacity made some kind of King Kong fan film. Everyone, like yeah, everyone yeah. wanted to make King Kong. I mean, Subaraya, that was like Harryhausen. Oh like, everybody, yeah, everybody. <laughs> Don't tip it. I just watched the documentary on him yesterday, and it was like, yeah, I made a King Kong fan film. 
Yeah, yeah. P- I, Peter Jackson, like the, everyone wanted to make King Kong. Really, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's not by it's not by anyone, as far as I know, who went on to bigger things. Um, but there's a film that I revisited today, um, along with all these, called Shortcut. That was a really unique little King Kong remake. Yep. Yep, that's uh, on YouTube too. That I, that's that's a really fun one, also. Um, yeah, but yeah, especially the stuff in like the fifties. I mean, we're looking at starting out here. We're looking at a fourteen-year-old with some clay. Yeah, and it it, it it it's almost sort of unfortunate that the sample we're going off of because this is a kaiju podcast is is like dinosaur and monster stuff because um like if you look at like his spider-man and captain america fan films and stuff like that they're way more polished you know but you know it's it's you're a kid in the 50s you want to make a giant monster movie i don't know what other options there are like i said at the beginning and i think this is still a little bit true like Kaiju has to be one of the least fan film friendly genres yeah. <laughs> just because I, of the subject matter. I mean, I, I gotta say, watching Glute stuff, it really gave me, in some ways, it gave me a greater appreciation of like some of the kids doing like like Bandai Godzilla fan films. Like, I find them really difficult to watch, but like they can be, if they're not taking themselves too seriously, they can be pretty charming and and. Um, some of them, some of them will get into a little bit of miniature fabrication, a little bit of, you know, a little, some fun stuff like that. And, and in many ways, the Don Glute stuff, you know, I mean, granted, like, yeah, he, he doesn't have toys to work with. He's working with, like he made his own shit, but like, it does kind of feel like of a piece with that, Mm -hmm. in that tradition, you know what I mean? Of the kid, it's like, I want to do this thing. Like I saw this thing. I love it. I want to do it. And it's like it's really janky, but it's really charming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before he started making his clay models, like there's a documentary about him called "I Was a Teenage Movie Maker," which the documentary itself is honestly pretty crude itself and kind of amateurish. But it's interesting. They talk to a lot of the guys that he he came up with, and they get a lot of his insights. Um, and it has all of all 41, I think, of his amateur films. So his superhero oh, wow. and Frankenstein and stuff, that's all on there. Um, but yeah, his early, early dinosaur movies were like just little toy dinosaurs that he would like do crude stop motion with. And his first film at, when he was nine, that he made when he was nine, was after he saw The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And it's basically like a child with a dragon puppet, yeah. like throwing around like toy cars and stuff Um, sorry go on oh no no go ahead oh no i will say something that just occurred to me as far as the difference between then and now um like one of the things like like watching some of those some of the like the the bandai films at g fest and like how they kind of like drag on and on sometimes is just the difference between shooting digitally versus shooting on film because i know tour king of beasts kind of runs a bit long but at the same time, there's a lot of shots that are like, wait, hold on, what just happened? It just went it went by so quickly because film is so much more expensive to shoot on. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, an understatement. Yeah, so it's just it's it's it, it's really interesting considering the difference there. Whereas like digital, you can just shoot for days and who cares? You put it on your computer, um, versus like having to pay to buy the film, to develop the film, and then having to deal with editing it together yourself, you know. God, I, I do think that's like that such a pain in the ass. Yeah, I do think that's a really interesting contrast. And back in the day, you had to use chili con carne for lava. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I loved that. 
so much. That's my yeah. one note. Um, There's probably I I want I I bet you could probably still pull off a decent lava effect with that. Actually, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like, think you honest, probably could. Honest to God, when I saw that, it gave me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I would think some kind of queso mixed with chili con carne may help. Potentially, yeah. Throw in some uh, lighter fluid. It may not be kid safe, but you know, you know, some some like some orange food coloring, you know. Um. But uh, yeah, they're they're crude little timepieces. I guess is what how I would describe them. Um, my favorite is definite the the one that I would go like they're fun time capsules. But the one that I would probably watch again is Son of Tor, just because I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, you only watch one. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy just how much stuff is just packed into it's like seven minutes or something, mm-hmm. which is probably the length Tor should have been yeah um, but uh yeah i actually first saw these in 1997 or something there was an article in g fan and I, I i don't know i was really young so i probably didn't quite understand what it was saying about these but it like it was like the lost godzilla movies and i was like what and 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 don glute was one of the guests at uh the 97 convention and he showed them and i just remember being like that's that's it like though like i it wasn't like m- my childhood brain wasn't really putting together that like yeah these are like fan things made by a kid like i when i when i heard he was gonna show them i was like oh my god i'm gonna get to see the lost godzilla movies or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> um so yeah revisiting them all these years later is kind of funny to me that's really funny this is the first time i saw them like I, i've heard of don glute but i never saw his stuff um uh, yeah, uh, Matt, uh, I'm going to give you the floor to a, for a minute just to, I mean, uh, do you have any thoughts about these little, uh, I guess, imperfections, we'll say? <laughs> Charming imperfections? Uh, Kong, little Thor, a.k.a. Kong, is a, is a mood. The, <laughs> every time that thing is on, every time that thing shows up on the screen, you're just like, oh my god, he's having an existential crisis right in front of me. Uh, but, like, you mentioned the, the little... Godzilla versus Bambi or whatever thing. Oh, that's, Bambi. Oh, yeah. yeah Bambi. So, like, when I uh, first saw Godzilla 1985, that's what played yep. in front of it. I, yep. I think Same. that's how everyone in our generation knows Bambi meets Godzilla. It was it, in it, front it, of that <laughs> tape. How did it it's, get attached to that tape? Roger Corman. Wow. Okay. That, that's that, all I can say. That's my only yeah, guess. Yeah. Right, because it was New World Pictures put that tape out. Yeah, I have uh, a VHS of Bambi Meets Godzilla as one of my monitor stands right now. Nice. Um, and it came, Rhino put it out, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it, a compilation. I, I remember that. It's like a compilation of that and like a bunch of other like weird old cartoon shorts and stuff. Oh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, definitely, definitely I definitely saw that movie. movie. Like, Godzilla crushes Bambi, and then it ends on like that piano, like, Yeah. From Day in the Life, I believe, right? Was it? What? No, I don't that's, think so. Yeah, I'm pretty Is sure it? that's I'm pretty sure that's the same piano crash from the Beatles, from Sgt. Pepper's. Oh wow! I yeah. don't, I don't know. I this I will would, require some. Good. This I, will require some further research. Yeah. <laughs> no, I no, I Bambi meets Godzilla for people our age is like a stone cold, like classic. I'm sure people younger than us that are into Godzilla and watch a bunch of, like, 
fan things on YouTube are going to watch it and be like, I don't get it. And But, you know... Uh, yes, it is, in fact, the final chord from the Beatles' A Day in a Life. Slowed down to half speed. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Interest. I did not know that. Which I was is, so eight th- years old when I learned this. <laughs> so it was 1969, so what, that's two years after it came out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um... So we we see we're we're going to see um I think a big part of it actually has to do with Jared's little revelation from a minute ago about the availability of super 8 cameras um cuz we're we're going to see an advancement um in the 1980s um mm. and that is uh for kaiju fans I think the first thing uh, that needs to be addressed is a little company called Gynax, who people probably know as the original company behind uh, Evangelion and uh, Nadia and a whole bunch of anime. They were a huge company. I think they're pretty much done now since a bunch of guys were like uh, money laundering over there or something. Yeah, and, 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 and Anno went on to form Kara. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, let's let's talk about Gynax, shall we? All right. Uh, you want to take over? <clears throat> uh, all right. So, Gynac. Uh In 1980, uh, Hideki Anno would make his own 8mm Ultraman fan film, which was followed in 1983 with a sequel. And uh, his original fan film was literally just him. What? Uh, oh, no, we go on. We talk about that again later. <laughs> um, we'll get there, don't worry. This is probably the part, uh, so just a little bit of behind the curtain. Uh, this is probably the part that Matt accidentally deleted before we started recording, and he couldn't remember what note he deleted, and I, I think we just found it. Okay. So, uh, so Gynax was, was preceded. It was formed in the early 1980s as Daikon Film by a group of university students, including Hideki Anno, Shinji Higuchi, and others who would go on to become many successful creators. Uh, Daikon's first project was an animated opening film for the 1981 Japan Science Fiction Convention, uh, which I believe it's Daikon. Um, I think it was held in Osaka, and I think the first character in Osaka is also Dai, so Daikon. Um, the short would feature just about any science fiction characters you could think of at that point, American, Japanese, or otherwise, including many kaiju and tokusatsu heroes. And the popularity of the short led to them selling 8mm copies. And then they would do another opening for Daikon 4 two years later, um, which with, with even um, even more advanced animation, uh, it's all set to Twilight by ELO. It, it is transcendent animation filmmaking. Uh, so in the 1980s, they would go on to do more tokusatsu shorts, uh, parodying series, I assume you meant Zubat. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, and no, Zbat. Zbat. <laughs> <laughs> I, assu- I assume that was intended to be Zubat. Um, yes. So in 1980, Anno would make a short 8mm Ultraman film. Um, there's no copies available, but it was faithfully, faithfully recreated for the series Blue Blazes, which follows young filmmakers at Osaka University of the Arts. Um, and of course, the film is is it literally it's, it's Bolton versus Ultraman, but it's just two guys standing in a yeah, field. There's there's no suits or miniatures. It's just two people wearing their regular street clothes yeah. and fighting to the Ultraman like music and sound effects. 
Yeah, and and it slowed down ever so slightly, I think, in some shots. Um, uh, the the whole class they laugh at the film, which upsets Anno. Um, and in 1983, Anno would direct uh, Return of Ultraman with other Gainax alumni. Um, once Anno became famous, Subaraya authorized an official DVD release of the film, which is no longer available, as far as I know. Um, which again, I I was vaguely aware that the original short existed, but then, like, today I kind of made the connection that, oh, like, the Return of Ultraman film with the really goofy, uh, like, just Hideki Anno himself is Ultraman. Like, oh, that's really meta, because it's a continuation of his first film. Okay. (laughs) And then, of course, Daikon Film would change its name to Gainax in 1985 and go on to become one of the most famous anime studios of all time. Um, so the Gynex stuff, uh, I think, I feel like in more recent years has kind of, like, been, uh, more widely known, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, sh- we should start the Gynex discussion by saying the Daikon, uh, animated intros, especially Daikon 4, are absolutely amazing. They're incredible. Yeah. It's a crime that they're not available in better quality. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. I think some fan, there's a fan restoration in HD. Like, it's not much better, but, like, I think they managed to clean it up a little bit. Uh, But that is not the version that I have on on my copy. (laughs) Yeah, but they are, I mean, we've mentioned them a couple times on this podcast. I mean, any science fiction character you can think of that existed in the early 80s is probably represented. Yeah. Uh, Everything from Darth Vader to Godzilla to, you know, the the Gotengo to Ultraman. uh, I I mean, there's no use in saying all of the properties present because it's pretty much everybody. I'm saying all the properties. I'm pretty sure that I revisit it at least once a year, and every time, like, as I absorb more knowledge... You notice... More? I see yep. more stuff. I, yeah, I yeah I, like, I've I've to, had that experience too. Like today was the first time I'd watched it since learning about um, Ideon and yep. Space, yep. Space Runaway Ideon. And so, like when when the Gundam does the Ultra Seven transformation into the Ideon, I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the mech suits from um, not the movie because it didn't exist yet, but from the novel Starship Troopers. Those are in there. I mean, everything is in there. So those are awesome. And also, the Daikon 3-1 ends with the fact that it's a pun of a Daikon radish-shaped spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the, honestly, and then that leads into the Daikon 4 one, where they remake the Daikon 3 opening mm-hmm. with the radish, the Daikon radish spaceship. It's it's really magic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just it's, it's and, awesome. And, and, and that thing gets referenced all the all the goddamn time in Japanese pop culture now. <laughs> like, it's just it's such a touchstone, and and I mean honestly, yeah, for good reason. It's so good, and like that's why I now love Twilight by ELO. Like, I'm obsessed with that song because of that, and it's just it's incredible. Um, as and, far as the uh, oh, go ahead. Well, as as, as uh, like I, I I think I already said it before, but like Anna's Return of Ultraman. Is yep. just is so incredible as, yeah. as like an amateur indie film. Yeah, like it, it really, 
flip the I, switch for me, you know. I'd like I, to see his dumb first one. Although although the the clip from Blue Blazes is, is is pretty interest it's pretty interesting um I was I was actually uh thinking because it kind of relates to the conversation we were having about like the sound design for ultraman sorta there's at the end of the the clip from that show there's the part where the the students are talking and he's saying like you know we all want to make things like common rider and ultraman but we can't but this felt like common or this felt like ultraman because of the sound yeah. Because he uses all the sound effects. Um, I thought that kind of was a, a fun little tie-in to the conversation we were having you earlier. Know what it, you know what it made me think of? Um, and I, you know, I don't know that Nacho Vigolando has seen or knows about this, but it really made me think of Colossal, like the scene where, uh, where uh, Sudeikis is like, like stomping through the mulch Mm-hmm. And you just hear everyone over in South Korea like screaming because you know his character. <laughs> yeah, like it just—it's just oh my god! Like that's literally he's describing what Vigolando did in Colossal. <laughs> it makes it, yeah, it, it it makes it feel bigger than what you're actually looking at. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's 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 an interesting like I guess trick. Yeah, it's re- it's no, really it- great. And then and then when they went on to like actually do like proper. Proper tokusatsu, like they really knocked it out of the park. Like, there's like, I mean, granted, the, what we have is in really bad quality, and there's like three pixels pixels on screen that they <laughs> three think pickles. of a moment. <laughs> <laughs> that might be generous, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, it's rough, but like it looks like what like what you can make out, like it's incredible. And then they went on to do Orochi, uh, Orochi Strikes Again. You know, with with more or less the same team, and just you know, did did most... Higuchi work on Ano's Return of Ultraman? I was watching the credits, and I saw a name that might have been Higuchi's, but I didn't bother. Okay, none of the English language stuff had his name on there, which I thought was interesting because he did do Orochi, and um... he did do Orochi. Yeah, I like I said, um, I saw a name that might have been Higuchi's, but I don't know the kanji of his name well enough. To it was know probably that. like. Minji Shmiduchi or something. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, like, he was definitely not listed as the special effects director. Yeah. Did notice that. Um, yeah, it's, it's too bad that, uh, it, it's really the night scenes that look the worst. Unfortunately, like, a good chunk of it is at night. Um, but, I mean, but at the uh, same time, like, you can still, like, there's some of those scenes at night that are still just like, wow, like, you know, if you could see it in high quality, I bet this would be amazing. Because, like, mm-hmm. there's some shots, like, with the, the light, the, the shaft of light coming out of the ground that is, like, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, the cinematography honestly kind of blew me away because it's, like, you can tell it's Anno. The framing, the composition, the, the how, he, how he chooses his shots, it's, like, it's it's nodding to the, the Ultra Series style of things, but you really can see, like, him as a director, it's, like, it, it's it's there. Even yeah. in this bizarre little uh, context, you know the shot, the, like a phone in extreme foreground. You're shooting through the the little arc of the between the receiver and the phone itself, and all the things we kind of know him for that define. Oh, that's that's something Ano made. Like yeah, even it, in this, it's, it's, it stands through. It feels very much like the missing link between like the work of Jisoji and the work of Ano. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels almost like a. Like not 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 truly, but like a metaphorical passing of the torch in some ways, you know. Yeah, 
Even even like the the writing, I think, kind of taps into kind of the Ultra Seven sort of um, like moral dilemma because the the captain he's really insistent on dropping this nuke yeah. to wipe out this monster, and you know, uh, and uh, his son, who's also on the team. Um, he thinks is dead, and uh, at the end, they're like, yeah, you know, Ultraman took care of it, like, you almost fucked up, like, big time. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, whoops, like, I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing that, w- that that you saw, see a lot in, especially in Ultra 7, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's really high-class filmmaking. Like, for for what it is, it, it's really a revelation. Yeah. And like, he has a, a minor uh, suit upgrade. Uh, he he's still wearing jeans and sneakers and a windbreaker, but the windbreaker is like the Ultraman color <laughs> scheme, and it has a little t- color timer in it. The, the monster not... suit is really good. The whatever yeah. um, the the I forget the name of the monster, but is that's really really good. Yeah, like the way the mouth opens up with like all the like and there's the, like, like saliva the, and yeah yeah. Oh no, it's super dope. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think like yeah. Like I, I completely lifted Ultraman sorta from that film. I just added the mask. <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, I've seen like episodes of real Ultraman shows that aren't. Yeah. Good. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Something that's interesting that sets this aside from like almost everything else we watched uh, in this was uh, characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, most. Well, I think that also kind of goes with like I think a lot of people do fan films as like a special effects showcase and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this really did just feel like an episode of one of the shows with characters and uh, you know people making mistakes and it has a storyline that you don't that really isn't present in. I mean, really yeah, any of <laughs> any of the other things we it, were talking it, about. It's something a little different. It's like it's trying to do something a little different, a little new, um, like really trying to to kind of like set it set itself apart, you know. And I mean, I, like that's that's kind of what I was trying to do with like the the episodes of sorta that never came to be, you know. It's like I di- I wanted to kind of pay pay tribute to the styles that Ultraman had been through. But I didn't really, like, I, I still really wanted it to be, like, we're making our own film. We're not just going to, like, ape shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really, I really love that about that. Like like you said, I, we're, we're about to get into some stuff, too, where, like, I definitely have that complaint. Yeah. Where, like, it's um, not. <laughs> uh, Matt, I know you were a bum and didn't really watch any of the assigned <laughs> viewing, but is this one that, is this hey, one man, that you'd did, seen I before? Know, it's not true. I did. I did actually watch Okay. Um, no, I I had uh, I had seen this because uh, Kevin had recommended this. You know, probably what feels like three years ago. It's probably like, uh, like two months ago. But yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with just like I was falling through miniatures and popping out of buildings and like there's explosions. I mean, it's it's really well done. And as we were talking about, like it could have just been an episode of the show. Like it's actually that good and that well put together. And there's you know there's like a team like the science, but like there's there's a lot of stuff going on for like what you would consider a fan film that you're not going to get in some of the other stuff we're talking about next. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, this is, this is a good one. It's definitely one of the best of, of the bunch. Um, all right. Um, so 
there's another really famous one from the 80s that uh, we have next. Oh, shit, is this me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to scroll back up to see what color I was. <laughs> I'm orange. Um, <laughs> so, Shizuo Nakajima. Uh, Nakajima was production assistant on many Toho films, including Godzilla's Revenge, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, and Kurosawa's Kagemusha. He and his friends came up with the idea to make their own kaiju films, uh, even purchasing some materials directly from Toho. Uh, they'd make their own suits and miniatures and create 8mm films using, using techniques they learned at Toho. Uh, monster for all his... Bird, what was wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> The monsters for all of his films were made by Fuyuki Shinada, who's a former builder of monsters uh, such as Biolante, uh, Jim Kay's monsters, and Legion. Uh, in 1972, Nakajima made both Wolfman vs. Baragon and an early version of Wolfman vs. Godzilla to be a replica of the 1964 Godzilla suit, and both would feature a more human Wolfman, and then in 1983, Nakajima wanted to make a longer feature-length Wolfman vs. Godzilla film. Uh, he decided to make it uh, as a tribute to both Toho Kaiju and Hammer Horror and recent werewolf films. Uh, and the werewolf was based on Hammer's Curse of the Werewolf, and the transformation scenes were inspired by American Werewolf in London and The Howling. Uh, still the most ambitious fan film to date, with over 100 volunteer extras. That was actually a question I had, was how many extras they got to run in this. Uh, and costing $100,000. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Principal photography was completed in the 80s, but was never assembled into a full film. Currently, a 25-minute digest edit of the film exists, which was made to be shown at G-Fest. At one point, Koichi Kawakita seemed confident he could get Toho to release the film on video, and it was finished. As of 2020, Nakajima said he is still working on a final edit, and that there are extra scenes he wants to film. Um, not to be too much of a downer, but, uh, Kawaki, or Nakajima, uh, the reason he even bothered trying to edit the movie into anything was because Mark Haramilo, who, uh, is, uh, just, uh, MIA, um, for now in the foreseeable future, <laughs> um, uh, contacted him and he was like, oh wow, people actually give a shit about this? And he was like, that's pretty cool. And then he went to G-Fest, everyone loved him, and he was like, I'm gonna finish this damn thing. And, uh, Kawakita was on board saying like, hey, look, Toho likes me, I think we can get this out. Uh, but Kawakita has passed away. Mark is, uh, just, he is, is not within the fandom anymore. And Kawakita, I, I feel like Nakajima is still just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna do something. But like, I Maybe. feel like his two biggest connections to getting anything done are gone. So I'm not sure how realistic that prospect is. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to know what he wants to shoot still like it, are there like honest to god pieces of the film they just didn't do in which case like how are you going to reshoot it when everyone is yeah what, 30, well 30 i know years older? principal photography was done so if we apply normal movie making yeah logic to this it would say maybe he has something done but he feels like there's just something missing maybe a scene or two or some shots or two that he wants to 
put in there before he can call it a done thing. If, like, and if I, that's like, the, I'm just like, I'm wondering, the, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, if that's the case, like, I, I feel like he should just let it go and just be like, look, like, yeah, here, like, this is I'm what you get. If, if it's not a situation like I had with sort of versus Godzilla, where like, I looked at the footage, I'm like, actually, if I just move A to B and B to C, and okay, it's done, actually. Yeah, yeah. but you've also cut out, like, over half. Yeah, you know, like, 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 it just, it, it feels, if as much has been filmed as what, as what, like, the history seems to suggest, it really feels like you could probably put together something. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if he's being a perfectionist, or if there is stuff that he feels like he needs to do, but... Yeah. I feel like with... Kawakita gone and Mark, you know, wherever he may be, I, I feel like he, I, I feel like it's kind of a, you know, just just do something thing. Unless there's a Toho blockage that he doesn't want to talk about, but it seems like at least when Kawakita was around and like supporting it, it seemed like Toho was kind of okay with it. I mean, it's it's so old. Like I don't think anyone would mistake it for a, a proper Toho product, you know? Like, yeah. it does look really good. If there's any know, fan film like, I've seen that could be confused by somebody as a, the actual thing, is probably this. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, like, there, there are some recent ones that, like, okay, like, I don't see it, but, like, I get why Toho would be a little, like, yeah, maybe not, you know? Like, um, like I kind of... I kind of understand, even though I don't necessarily know if it's true, but I understand the official story behind Godzilla Heritage getting taken down. Mm-hmm. Like again, like I like like I look at it, I'm like, no, of course not. But like you know, like the layman, like okay, I could see someone buying that description. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but Money like probably has something to do with it as well. You're crowdfunding your fan film. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I think that's the elephant in the room with 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 that situation. Which, oh, um, yeah, especially no. especially when it comes to spending a lot of money on something and trying to make it back, then you're getting into areas you're of profitability, yeah. and and that gets. Yeah, and I mean, you also get like I think that like like I said, like the indulgence versus overindulgence. Yeah. You kind of get into this thing where it's like maybe you've gone a bit too far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, uh, we have the, the digest version is basically editing the mostly editing monster and action footage together in something that can be shown in, in, you know, a screening room or whatever. Um, and I don't know if this was supposed to be feature length, let's just say for shits and giggles, it was an hour and a half. I mean, that gives us, this gives us a third of a normal feature length movie you know uh uh so we we've seen a good chunk of it um and a lot of the monster stuff so i yeah i mean personally i i really think they did a knockout job i i know yeah. that this was made by toho staffers and so they had a, the ability to you know use some of the same building materials and stuff and and a lot of the same um you know, uh, tricks and stuff that they learned working on, on Toho films. But, uh, I mean, wow. I mean, I, I still remember, I like seeing the, the, the stills that were floating around online and being like, 
is there a Godzilla movie I don't know about? And I mean, yeah, I, like that's that's what's really wild about it. Because I remember, like, because yeah, because I remember I first saw someone posted a still on Monster Zero back when I first joined. Yeah, and, and like and f- I think was, for me, I think for a few years I didn't really know what it was. I it probably was like it maybe maybe even the same time. I, I think I saw this around the time I first got internet access, and I was yeah. like, wow, what is that? And then I, I think I kind of forgot about it, and it might have even been the same post, Jared, because, I mean, me and you, we were, like, on Monster Zero forever, um, but I remember at some point someone like Keith Aiken or August or, mm-hmm. or someone, one of those guys, came in and said, oh, this is actually from a fan film. And then I was like, oh, well, that makes sense why I can't find it anywhere it was but, it was uh, just such a weird urban legend for the longest time and then yeah yeah like someone said oh well it's a fan film it's like oh okay that makes sense and then i just i remember g fest one year like i don't think it was announced before the con i think it was at the con someone came i was in the artist alley and someone's like they're gonna show wolfman versus godzilla i'm like i'm sorry what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I that was one of the years that I wasn't there, but I remember like probably within two hours of that footage being shown, there was like someone posted on their cell phone or something online, and I was I like, just, and I was like, this is crazy. I'm actually yeah. watching this. Yeah, no, well, because because we like because it was um I Matt Matt Frank and I used to sit next to each other in the artist alley all the time. And like we we like made arrangements. Like someone needs to watch our tables. We have to see this. This is insane. And um, we went we went down there, and it was just like like just like everyone in the room was just like, "Are is this real? <laughs> Are we really about to?" And then the footage played, and it was. I remember recording it on this little this little shitty point and point and shoot camera I had, just because like I had it on me. I just I needed a record. <laughs> yeah. Even the yeah. um I mean even getting away from I mean obviously we talked about Shinada building the suits and I mean he's one of the best in the business. Yeah. Um but uh also even like even like the non kaiju stuff like the the werewolf um the the transformation's a little crude yeah. but considering what they were working with I mean no it's pretty not awesome. American werewolf in London but it's pretty darn good and then it's really the, cool and then the actual werewolf which is um you know pant ripped pant uh, pants and a ripped white shirt which is like uh like when Chris was giving the the rundown that that is Oliver Reed and Curse of the Werewolf the Hammer movie which is awesome um <laughs> uh and yeah even that looks really good like i mean that werewolf could pass for something that you would see in an 80s for sure creature, creature feature you know yeah um and, and yeah i the the glimpses we get of the actual human stuff like do seem interesting we we see I guess it's a trope of werewolf movies right but we we see that there's some kind of romantic love interest that is you know, uh, dealing with him being a werewolf. And it's it, at another point we see I, what looks like a statue or a totem of some kind indicating, um, kind of getting back to the curse of the werewolf thing uh, where he's not, for people that don't know, you know, the hammer film, um, that's not the typical, you get bit by a werewolf and turn into a werewolf thing. And that's, you're born under the, the mark of the devil. You're born with the mark of the devil under the, the, um, the bad moon and it's it's a curse that you're born with 
and it's something that is like and that that kind of goes back to i think a little bit more of like some of the old um like native american myths about werewolves um but yeah there's a little statue they show during one of the (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i've seen my fair share of documentaries bird yeah yeah you're right though absolutely um i mean i yeah i'm but but you but there's a part where they show a little like sculpture or something of something like that and i'm wondering like that's like i i feel like combining that a traditional werewolf story with a kaiju thing like is like that's a really cool idea it's Um, an amazing idea yeah and 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 i mean the logic makes sense i mean we see we've seen a giant frankenstein monster why not a giant werewolf but but yeah that i that's why that i do think that like the actual if that's what the human storyline is going for then i mean that's like i want why i want like i want to see this same the human stuff honestly to me was was like kind of a highlight for watching this this digest like the car chase was insane yeah the, the car, car chase, chase is crazy <laughs> where was everyone just part of the whole thing. for whatever reason everyone just keeps running into like boxes <laughs> that are and like on the, the, stacked on the side of the road bazooka going <laughs> off constantly it's just the paces <laughs> the guys are making it's just like this manic crazy car chase with oh, zero insane. context because they've cut everything out except for Godzilla yeah. kicking rocks um i don't know if any of you guys are friends with shizuro nakajima on facebook but every now and then he'll post like a little clip like um you, like around holidays like uh for valentine's day a couple years ago he posted like a clip of like the girl and the werewolf that isn't in the digest version so like uh, yeah i remember to... i remember seeing a shot of, of godzilla attacking shinjuku that was not part of the digest yeah because uh, i i am i am friends with him and yeah every, every now and then he'll if you go to his videos you can probably see some but yeah if you're friends with him on facebook he'll post like little things here and there for whatever occasion and sometimes it'll be some some footage we haven't seen but uh yeah i mean there's a ton of these fan films that never got completed and like out of all of those it's like this is the one where it's like if there's justice in this world this man will finish this (laughs) and we'll be able to see it this is the one that i'm like really dying to to see yeah same um i i will i will say like I, I'm really interested to see the final film because one of the things that was disappointing about the digest version is that a lot of the kaiju stuff feels kind of like a pastiche of just War of the Gargantuas and King, King Kong, Kong versus stuff. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, he has said like those are like his favorites and those are the movies like he intentionally was kind of like absolutely. trying to yeah, and I mean mimic. It's, from, it's from that era too. Like like we said, it's like there's a that that era prior to home video where like yeah, you want to create your favorite scenes. Like yeah, that like it makes sense on that level. But like yeah, I really want to see the whole thing in context because yeah. what's really interesting is that werewolf story. Yeah, I want I want to I want to see more of that werewolf stuff. Yeah, Give you know, and you. I mean, and you know. I mean, I'm assuming that's not as pastiche because I'm not as familiar with werewolf stuff, and you seem to be. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely see like the nods to the howling and American Werewolf, and and, and I mentioned, you know, that he's dressed like Oliver Reed in Curse of the the Werewolf, but but it, so I mean, I, I I'm sure there's a little bit of that there, but I mean, I just the idea of meshing that werewolf story into slamming it into a kaiju movie is just insane uh, so and bananas yeah. and i love it 
Um, and the, and the, the 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 kaiju werewolf design is iconic. Yeah, and like, it's it, yeah, no, it's great, and it's I mean, if you looked at the like the old clip of um, Baragon versus the, the Wolfman, like it's way better than the werewolf they had in, in that. Yeah, which is a guy in a wolf where a Wolfman mask and you know still has wolf the ripped. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, with wolf <laughs> gloves. Um, still has like, the ripped uh, Oliver Reed hammer shirt but uh the baragon in that is really damn good pretty though. awesome yeah. yeah the baragon's great and it's also really funny that that uh shimada made that <laughs> yeah yeah and he would you know make bear another a, a, baragon. A, 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 an actual baragon later um but uh yeah no this is th- this is some of the the best the best fan made stuff i've seen um um so, um, now that, even in the 19, because 1983-ish is about where they, they've, you know, they kind of finish up the principal photography, um, even in the 80s, people were giving this man a hard time <laughs> about how long <laughs> it was taking, because in, ni- in the late 80s, I believe 1989, um, uh um Kato Productions who I'll I'll tell you I'll I'll say who that is in a minute but they made a fan film that was a parody of Godzilla versus of, of versus the 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 Wolfman that was basically about how long it was taking to make Godzilla versus the Wolfman um and uh there's some really bad camera footage of some some stuff from that online but you know it's it's a parody of it that has you know the godzilla and you know rabbit man uh versus godzilla (laughs) is 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 the is the film and you know there's puppets of the rabbit man and godzilla fighting um but kato productions that's a segue into um just we didn't we don't have any footage that we could watch as a group um unfortunately aside from some clips that are in uh, the Kaiju Gaiden documentary trailer. Um, but that was an independent outfit um, uh, created by a guy named Masahiko Kato. And um, you can see some stills and some behind-the-scenes uh, photos of, of these online. Um, but uh, they did stuff like uh, Zarin, which was a Rodan sequel. They did Atragon 2, uh, Matango 2, and Rebirth of Daimajin, which was a Daimajin 4. Um, I actually, at G-Fest, was able to watch about 30, maybe 40? Uh, a good chunk of Atragon 2. Um, unfortunately, it was not subtitled, so it was like I watched basically the first act of the movie, um, and without it being subtitled, I had no idea what was going on, so it was kind of boring, but, um, in that first act is, uh, the first scene of Manda attacking the city, um, which was pretty darn cool, um, uh the miniatures looked a little on the cardboardy side um but you know i mean it's a fan film i can't give it too much crap for that but the the manda that they used was really cool um i don't know if you guys had a chance to maybe check out what very little footage is online um or um some of the the behind the scenes photos of any of this stuff um but it is out there and um you know uh hopefully one day the, again more stuff that hopefully one day will will surface in some capacity. 
Someone mm-hmm. has it. Yes. I, yes. I, I really, I really, the 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 Rabbit Man versus Godzilla. Like, I love that it exists. I just the, imagine the, if someone made Ultraman kind of versus Godzilla about six years ago. Uh, <laughs> there, was, there was a there was an Ultraman kinda, and there was a Common Rider kinda, based on messages that I got from people. But were um, they making? They were. They weren't actively making fun of you, though. No, they weren't okay, actively okay. making fun of me. They were inspired by me, and I just like, but. But, but that's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, did it, well, well before we uh, give Matt the floor for the next section, Jared. I'm especially interested in your opinion. Did you get a chance to see, look at any of the behind the scenes uh, pictures or anything from the Kato stuff? Yeah, I did. Um, they looked really cool, uh, honestly. Because I, I remember, I remember, like when ha- when Mark Hanamio did. His first Kaiju Gaiden presentation, he had some stills from there, too. And I remember, like, the Matango 2 and the Atragon 2. Like, just some of, like, some of the clips that he showed, there's, like, there's this really, like, 80s mysterious vibe to some of them that I really dug. Especially the Matango yeah. 2 stuff. Like, the Matango 2 stuff, maybe I'm hallucinating this, but I <laughs> swear to God, it felt like it was out of like Alien or Aliens, you know, like very inspired by those movies, you yeah. know. Um, and I just and like some of the miniature work in Atragon too was just like, oh wow, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would like yeah, to, like, to, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. this stuff surfaces in our lifetime, and hopefully, before, yeah. like some of these guys are getting old. I don't know how old Kato is, but like, let's. Let's get his work seen, you know? (laughs) Again, I don't know if there's a Toho blockage here or what. I do feel like at one point when Kaiju Gaiden was, like, happening, they said they were going to feature some of his work. I think maybe Zarin, the Rodan 2 one, um, on the Blu-ray that Ooh. for kaiju gaiden and i and i wonder if that's because as it's zarin not rodan so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not infringing so much <laughs> on the toho ips but uh i don't know again uh, it's all lost to time as of right now um i will say i really love the um the 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 the, the miniature pool they did for atragon 2 yeah yeah because like I did, I did a miniature pool myself years ago for a, a music video that featured like a pirate ship and stuff. And like I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh, oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> um, um, which also, I, I also want to add, just going back to Shizo and Nakajima real quick. I really identify with working on stuff and like just taking materials from set. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I I worked on. Uh, I work. I work in the film industry in Atlanta, and so like I have. I don't want to say what I've taken things from necessarily, but like I have a whole bunch of rubble that is in my garage that I that is from an upcoming blockbuster film because they were about to throw it in a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> they were about to throw the film in the dumpster. No, they were about to throw the rubble. It was. It's a bunch of like giant. There's a difference. Oh, I mean, fair. Um, it was a bunch of it was a bunch of um, giant styrofoam chunks of concrete, um, and and it was it was when I was I was working on Wandavision, and it was a neighboring shoot was about to throw this away, and it wound up in a it wound up next to a dumpster near where we were where where we were working out of, and it was like 
I, I told my boss, I'm like, don't throw that away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't want to say what it's from. Um, I don't think I can get away with that that much. But yeah, like just, I just constantly like, like I'm constantly like taking like, like chunks of wood and stuff out of garbage cans on set because like you know this this is long enough i can make a miniature with this <laughs> um all right matt uh take the floor and uh wrap up the 80s and get us into the 90s uh in the late 70s a young minoru kawasaki which who is a uh, calamari wrestler monster x strikes back monster seafood wars uh, he would start making his own amateur kaiju films including a 1985 ultraman sequel kiriyama he would also build working relationships with veteran act, uh, ultra actors, as well as people like Makoto Tezuka, director and son of Osamu Tezuka, effects artist uh, Furuyuki Shinada, and Tomo Haraguchi, and designer and director Kaita Amamiya. Through these connections, he formed a friendship with director Akio Soji, who would be his mentor and produce many of his later professional commercial films. Then we have uh, Godzilla vs. Mito Kamon by Shinya Takashida, which is awesome, by the way. A fan film where Shinya Takashida plays every single role, including Electrical Towers. Uh, he would also play multiple roles uh, from the... For, what is this word here? <laughs> Jidai Geki. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> where uh, the Godzilla, Di- uh, Jin, Ultraman, and King Ghidorah. And the, then... Uh, don't forget, he also did his own sound effects for it. That's the best part. Inc- yeah, yeah, including uh, he does and the music. acapella renditions of the the Afukube music. So every time that I'm humming in the shower, it's basically that. It's amazing. Um, and then, we, of course, we have fan films in America. So fans are making their own tokusatsu films. A uh, pretty prominent example is The Three Riders vs. Great Shocker, directed starring uh, Barry Evans and starring future tokusatsu researchers uh, August Ragone and David Foster. Um, in that, you have common Riders for, uh, 3, 2, and Super 1 fighting a new Shocker threat. It also featured Rider helmets made by a young Steve Wang, which is awesome. Uh, the villain played by Foster wore a cybernetic arm and leg, which were actual props given to him from Toei uh, from the series Spielbond. That's Flash nice. forward. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty sweet. Um, Steven Spielbond? <laughs> that, that, is, that is where the name came from. Really? Yes. I guess I'm not surprised, but... It's a combination of Spielberg, and I don't remember where Bond came from, but, but Mike Dent told me all about it one time. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> um, next, you're going to tell me they inspired the 1991 King Ghidorah. You can tell your son about it when he's born, Major Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Major Spielberg. That's, my, that's my preferred pronunciation from now on. <laughs> uh, flash forward to the 1990s to 2000s. So we have in 1994, we have future Godzilla director Michael Doherty makes a short film called Attack of the Monsters using stock footage of Godzilla and Barney. Um, and then we have in the in the late 1990s, um, Dutch experimental artist and filmmaker. I'm not even going to try. I, yeah, I, 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 nope. ain't, I ain't even Ms. trying. T? <laughs> yes, Miss T. Yes. Miss T is the is is her alias. So. We'll go, so we'll Godzilla, go Godzilla versus Godzilla versus the Netherlands is the movie we're talking about, uh, and it's considered a celebration of homemade special effects. And then in Japan, kaiju film and popular Raku Goka Shinpei Hayashiya uh, would make his own kaiju films, starting with the short Godzilla versus Death Gilas in 2001, 
Uh, that was actually a parody of Godzilla X Megaguirus with a uh, GMK inspired Godzilla design. He would follow that up in 2003 with the acclaim, well, just not acclaimed, but the uh, Gamera Four <laughs> Oscar winning Gamera Four. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. No, I've always been. That's like the one that I've always wanted to actually see because every we, we've seen the clips and stuff. But um, and then Die would actually host screenings of the film, but would bar it from ever being released to the public, which sucks. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so, uh, the mid-2000s, we see YouTube um, give birth to all kinds of fan films. Uh, like, everyone, it seems like everyone's making fan films now. Uh, in the United States, this schmuck named Jared Faust would make his <laughs> Ultraman... <laughs> his Ultraman... I'm, I'm that schmuck. It's me. <laughs> his Ultraman sort of shorts. Um, multiple feature-length Godzilla fan films are announced uh, within the span of um, really the from like 2004 to 2009. Um, examples being uh, Godzilla Zero Hour, Godzilla Battle Royale, Godzilla X the Kaiju Killer, and Godzilla Heritage. Of those four, only Battle Royale and Kaiju Killer are completed. In 2009, writer M.J. Simpson and director Benjamin Craig made a short film called Waiting for Gorgo, um, which was a comedic short that would serve as both a loose sequel to the 61 Gorgo, as well as a scathing critique of British government bureaucracy. And in 2009... Tokusatsu artist Daisuke Sato, who had worked on a lot of the Millennium Godzilla films, he made a black-and-white short based on Ray Bradbury's story, The Foghorn, which was also the same story that uh, was that had inspired the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, uh, which, of course, and then inspired Godzilla. Um, <clears throat> uh, that would be the springboard for his later short, um, Howl from Beyond the Fog, but... Uh, Unfortunately, at the time, um, the Bradbury estate um, suppressed the movie. I guess they're like super protective of of, uh, of that stuff, and um, they prevented it from being seen to the masses. Tragically, in late 2019, that movie was lost in uh, a hard drive crash. Literally, all that survives of that film is the trailer, which is on YouTube. That that cautionary story is why I have given so many of my friends like the complete ten gigabyte file for Ultraman Sword of versus Godzilla, just because I, I lost the whole film once. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, that is that's depressing. I, I remember at G Fest that summer, twenty nineteen. Um, they were saying they they were trying to work things out to maybe even get the Foghorn on the Howl from Beyond the Fog Blu-ray, see if they could figure out some kind of solution, but uh, who knows if that would have happened, considering the difficulty they had the first time, but uh, it definitely <laughs> ain't happening now. That, that's really that's really strange and upsetting that they would they would suppress it that hard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard of... Uh, what's the one... You guys might know better than me. Is it Star Trek that recently, I guess, the, oh, I, the oh, IP holders yeah. have was, really, was, like, uh, they've really started cracking down on stuff like fan films? Well, it's, it's, Star Trek was always, like, 
pro fan film for <laughs> decades. Well, I mean, Star Star Wars was especially too, but like what it was was that there was um, I think it was called Axanar. And the people doing a Kickstarter for it, they were using it as like a backdoor for jumpstarting their studio. Mm. So they were asking, they were asking for a ton of money to make this thing. And so, and they were using the Star Trek brand essentially to jumpstart their studio. And, you know, in in many ways, that, that is kind of an extension of the reason some people like make and release fan films. I mean, you know, like you do it out of love and you know, you'd be lying if that you know, in many cases you would be lying if the clout wasn't appealing. You yeah. know? I mean Gamera um, four is kinda similar. They're like, We'll show you guys, but we we're gonna be the ones showing you. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not you know, we 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 are gonna keep this locked up every now and then we might you know throw it out there for someone and uh other than that you know it's like you're gonna see it on our uh um like on our terms yeah (laughs) i think i think is um i think cbs i think it was cbs and or paramount um, they basically they, they they torpedoed the Axonar project, and then they put out a memo saying, you know, like, like still like saying, like you know, we don't like they didn't want to turn down the free publicity that fan films can bring. So it's basically like, you can make fan films, but here are rules now in which they are acceptable, and it's like they can't be over fifteen minutes long. Mm. They can't be this. They can't be that. Et cetera, et cetera. Which to me. I think the rules I think the rules to me feel very common sense in terms of how I would approach making a fan film, but also the fact that the the licensee, the, the license holder dictated them does make me feel a little gross. <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah. agree with people going out and making feature length fan films. Please find something else to do with your time, you know. Um Maybe they should do something better know. with Star Trek first. Oh, I mean, <laughs> and that's that's. Shot I think fired. it's a fair argument. You know, I, 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 you know, it's it's complicated. Like, is yeah, I definitely think you know, if you want to make a two-hour fan film, fine, do it. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I think we mentioned this earlier, but like, it it makes me sad that we've lost stuff like Foghorn and like Gamera Four has basically been shelved. But then you think of like Friday the Thirteenth was yesterday. And, you know, that's the only thing keeping Jason going. And it feels like they put out a new fan film every six months or something. So it's just really weird to see how, on one hand, you have studios completely shutting stuff down or, like, basically imposing specific rules. And with something like, you know, Friday the 13th, you have people just making hour-long, sometimes 90-minute, what feel like full-length full-length films. With Friday the 13th, like, they can't even agree on who owns it right now. Yeah, so, so, nobody, so maybe that's part of it. Down. Yeah, there's a, the, legal, the legal battle with that is insane. Um, there's nothing like that in the entire history of Japanese special effects, anything. So I'm sure that no one's familiar <laughs> with any weird legal uh, gray areas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, uh, you know, I, I think Godzilla vs. Mito Komon is probably one of our favorites out of this whole 
endeavor, I think. Godzilla uh, by far. So Pomo on his peak cinema. <laughs> My favorite part is when King Ghidorah flies over everything and leaves, and he's like, King Ghidorah showed up but didn't do anything. Apparently, he wants nothing to do with this, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> everything about this made it my, one of the favorite, like, out of this entire marathon of things. Just this one guy playing every part, <laughs> the amount of creativity in everything, just the sound effects, the acapella music, it's all so goofy yeah. that even if you're not, like, super steeped in this stuff, you're going to laugh at at least one or two parts. But if you get all the jokes, then it really is like, oh, this guy really did something creative. It's that- literally a one guy, a camera, and some cardboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is a goddamn work of art. You know, I don't know what uh, uh, he, he, he's, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, his Godzilla roar is uh, and then, something and then I, to I behold. Guess, I, think, I think the the beam effects are like painted directly onto the film. Yeah. yeah, it's got a really great look to it. He did a, a Mito, another Mito Komon fan film before that, and then I, I don't know what happened to him after he did these two shorts. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if he just maybe didn't pursue filmmaking, or maybe he did, but it's nothing that anyone cares about to have you know that information translated. I don't know. Maybe he. This was like an uh, art uh, when he was in art school. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The projects. <clears throat> um, the Michael Doherty one, I mean, is dumb, but it's just like a kid <laughs> playing with stock footage. However, it did kind of like have some of that like dark humor that I like about like his other movies that like I, that wasn't so much in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Like it kind of was like, oh yeah, like Michael Doherty can actually be like funny when he wants to i guess um uh the uh, I, I don't really have a lot to say about that i will say godzilla versus the netherlands is is beautiful that uh, is a strange one i mean i guess it's not i, I, I guess I, it's it's not a surprise that it was made by some like weird art film like experimental <laughs> artist uh, I, I definitely recommend folks check it out like it's, it's, it's honestly it's really it's got a really like weird atmosphere to it i think a lot of that um, is the sound design like yeah like it, it all it's very it's very it's very goofy but like the atmosphere to it is very it makes me think of like godzilla 84 in the, the way its yeah. atmosphere is you know um and it's also it feels like a thirty second joke stretched out to five minutes, and yet it doesn't really overstay its welcome. <laughs> yeah, is, is that the one where like they, uh, like uh, the cameras like in the grass? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, technique in that one. Yeah, it's just I think what really strikes me is that for being you know this goofy comedy film, basically, it just it is like really, it it's got it's very moody looking, and you know, yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, um, I, I love it. Yeah, the yeah no, I I like that one too. Um, all I've seen from Gamera Four are like the same clips that like have been floating around the internet forever. I know someone who's seen, I think, the whole thing, um, and th- what I was told is, like, yes, it is a Shinpei Hayashiya film. 
<laughs> yeah, that's I know people who have seen it, and that's the same. Yeah. A friend of mine is like, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a high issue of film. Everyone was expecting it to be something like big and extravagant. It's like, no, this is an independent filmmaker doing his thing. Yeah, even even the clips like um for like crowd scenes, for example, like people are just like CGI people. <laughs> like yeah. there's not a lot of actors in it all, except for uh, the one guy Hotaru and um I don't know I'm sure there's a couple others. Some of the puppets were pretty cool. Like there's that white gauss one that I I like quite a bit. Yeah, I, I the, yeah, the uh, the albino gauss is really cool. I do I do think some of the perception of the film is cuz those puppets look so cool. Um yeah. cuz like I, I didn't, yeah. it didn't occur to me until until like someone told me much later. It's like, "Oh yeah, no, it's full of CG." Like really kind of yeah. dodgy. Yeah, I, I think most of it is probably CG. With, like, you know, I mean, the Gamera suit is pretty decent, but, yeah, a lot of it is CG. And I, yeah. I, don't, I think a lot of people, like, the images that you see the most are of the, the practical effects, not mm-hmm. not that. So I think that's part of why everyone, like, kind of thinks it's, like, sort of a real Maybe movie. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to see it. I mean... falling on the heels of, of such, of, of, like, such a movie. Yeah, that people like really want it to be something, you know, and a movie that en- has an open ending too, you know. It, mm-hmm. So it, it, it's kind of something that people are, like have been craving in a way since Gamera three came out. But you know, yeah. it, it, but it is very much still a fan film with the production value of a fan film. Like, but I mean, I'd like to see it one day. I mean, I it. It probably won't happen, <laughs> but I, mean, I would not pass up the opportunity for sure. Um, I definitely want to check it out. I think my favorite of this bunch is Waiting for Gorgo, though. That movie, that's oh, pretty shit, funny. Yeah. It's super brisk. Like the, the humor is there. That it's two old guys like just arguing back and forth about like what things used to be. It's it's they can clever. barely yeah they can barely remember why they're there. <laughs> It's, it, it's my favorite film critique of governmental military overspending. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's all it's, also like an adaptation of Waiting for Godot in the goofiest possible context. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's it's uh uh yeah, like this monster defense department that was established after the first Gorgo, but then the, no mo- no monster ever came back. So like. Slowly, the government has just like whittled it down to like just these two guys, like in a basement, <laughs> and the and they're like, you know, our job is just to wait for Gorgo, and the the lady that's doing this audit is like, but like, why, like, why are you getting paid to like sit there? <laughs> and she keeps asking, what What do you do every day? And they're like, we just wait. <laughs> well, then- one of the the bits is like they're asking she's asking what they do and like well we must be really good at our job because no gorgo's ever shown up after the first one and like she's like well yeah it's been 50 years and (laughs) (laughs) from what i understand vci uh wanted to include that on the gorgo blu-ray but i guess the director i think the director this benjamin craig guy i guess he was like on his social media or whatever, and I think through Amazon, he was selling, like, DVD-Rs of it, and he was worried that whatever, like, he gets from letting them put it on the Blu-ray, he wouldn't make as much as the, like, 
three dollar DVD. Yeah, but yeah, who, I, I guarantee he, I guarantee you, he wasn't selling that many of these things. But for whatever reason, he was like, uh, yeah, I, I make more selling it just like myself, and, he, and because of that, it wasn't on the Blu-ray, which is a a shame. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I, agree. I I feel like that guy's math. I no, he couldn't be selling those. Those aren't selling like hotcakes. I'm. I mean, Nobody knows they could have offered him any money. Yeah, they, they 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 very well could have just been like, "Hey, we want to put your fan film on this thing. Give it to us." And he's like, "Nah, maybe not." Yeah, well, it was the movie was funded with mob money, so <laughs> who knows what state things are in now? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, waiting for Gorgo or Gorgo? Gorgo, or just a joke. Uh, Gorgo was at partially, if not all, funded with mob money. Please uh, uh, tell me about it later, because that's not a fan film. I really need to know. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. It's a mob fan film if they're paying somebody to make it. Like, hey, make this movie for me. I think, I think he it was means the studio the original, that produced it. I think he means the original, the original Gorgo. Gorgo. Yeah, no, I, I gathered that, and I, I am intensely curious to know more. Well, it's the ki- the King Brothers were... They were weird guys. I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> All right. I'll, they were, I'll ask about it after we're done recording. They had this weird, like, Oedipus Rex complex. They were strange people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that makes it a lot stranger, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Here to open the cans of worms. <laughs> um, Jared... You had some involvement in Godzilla Battle Royal. I don't know if there you wanted to speak about um, that at all. Well, what it, what it was basically um, the the main. I mean, the main involvement and in what what wound up on screen is uh, Billy had had his camera with him when we shot Ultraman Sword versus Godzilla, and he was working on Godzilla Battle Royale at the time we were shooting, and so he set his camera up and like shot. B-roll with like alternate angles from what we were filming uh, of his Godzilla suit on our miniature sets. And so when you go and you watch Godzilla Battle Royale um, before before nightfall in that movie, when it's still daytime, you can see a couple of scenes where it's actually our miniatures instead of the the compositing that he would do for a lot of the other film. So, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm. I think Billy knows this. It's not my favorite fan film I've ever seen, but like, I do think it's really impressive. You know that he made a goddamn two-hour-long fan film and finished it, and also he's not a dirtbag like the guy who did Kaiju Killer. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not here to throw rocks at uh, at people publicly, but, uh, but, but. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say Kaiju Killer is isn't so much my jam either just because it it has a lot of that self-seriousness that I don't know that if you're a fan film, I don't know that you can uh, afford to really do. I mean, the common thing with probably 99% of the the stuff we're talking about today is like I don't know, when you're a super low budget fan film, you have to have a little bit of fun kind of self-awareness yeah. like every, every, pretty much everything else we've talked about m- most of it has has not really taken itself very seriously because it knows the limitations that it's in and uh that's probably where that one kind of fails for me um, it's, it's very edgeboard 
Godzilla Zero Hour, yeah, I'm sure people want to hear me talk about it, but I... No, no, know. not people, just me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, the, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, I... But I, it was a thing that I was involved with, yes, <laughs> um, as, as part of the, the film crew. And um, I guess after a while, I guess I'm not really that surprised that it didn't happen. It didn't get completed. Uh, uh, ambitions were big. Um, there were some, some ego clashes. Uh, it, 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 it didn't work out for... A lot of reasons, mostly pertaining to those. Um, I mean, uh, and in in fairness, it's hard to finish these. Like, it's hard to. You know, well, I mean, even, like, I, I say I say this as I finish like the film that I'm talking about today is one film out of like four, and three of them never happen. Yeah, and, or and like some of them we shot like one of them we shot half of, and the other we shot two scenes out of like fifteen. Yeah, you know? I, I mean they, they say it's a miracle any movie any movie gets made. You know, yeah. and, and the lower the budget, you know, the, the less likely something's probably going to get made. And mm-hmm. those were definitely things that struggles with Zero Hour. Also, I I mean what what we were doing, I think um, I think we had. Uh, I think there were some really good ideas. It was going to be about, um, uh, basically, like, kind of Godzilla 2000, like, people that were Godzilla, or monster chasers, like, tornado chasers. Um, and it was, it would have Godzilla, Gamera, Legion, Gigan. um, but it, it just, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons it didn't work out, you know, most of, you know, mo- most of which I don't really want to talk about publicly but i mean i'm it's fine you know i'm if if franz happens to be listening i i have no you know i'm not bitter anymore I, you know i wish him the best of luck um but with through godzilla zero hour um there's two people i, I was able to meet and and retain friendships with one is chris who is here with us uh um i met him on the godzilla zero hour forums the the, the message boards oh um, shit yeah, and because uh, he was he was kind of keeping track of, of of what was going on with it, and was like, "Hey, this looks cool." And he was on the message boards, and um, we started talking about music, and then you know we've been friends ever since. And then the 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 screenwriter um, Joseph Schaefer, um, uh, I met him uh, on the set of of the movie, and uh, we spent a lot of time at G Fest the one year two thousand eight. Um, and he's a great guy. Um, you pe- people listening um, probably heard him um, on the Shin Godzilla five year anniversary podcast we did with uh, his. Oh shit! Yeah, with his podcast, the Human Instrumentality uh, Project. He he wrote Godzilla Zero Hour, um, and uh, he's just a super smart guy. Uh, and you know he, he's 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 awesome. So uh, I was able to meet two really cool people that i i still keep in touch with so you know hell I yeah mean, yeah even even out of those even out of unpleasant experiences you you meet some some cool folks sometimes um and uh and and yeah godzilla heritage i honestly i'm not a big fan of the the monster designs in it but honestly like i was looking at some of the footage for it and i was like you know this really isn't that bad like yeah. for a fan film 
I think I think they kind of ran aground of 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 a similar problem of, of like the, that Star Trek fan film we were talking about. Yeah, right, were, right, yeah. Well, asking, once you get Kickstarter, yeah, when you get Kickstarter involved, I, I don't I I don't think there was any nefariousness going on. But when you do get Kickstarter involved, you know, there's no way for the rights holders to know, like, okay, the money you're collecting is it actually going towards this yeah. thing, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I mean that that happens. So anyone listening, don't kickstart fan films. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. I would say, yeah, <laughs> good way to get put on the radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt, uh, bring us into the modern era. So in uh, 2014, a student of Koichi Kawakita and Suzuki Amori uh, named Shingo Maihata makes the Jet Jaguar Project M11. And this actually features Robert Scott Field returning as M11. And it was planned to be shown at G-Fest, although sources close to the convention have said that Toho blocked the screening. Um, as far as we know, the, the, the trailer was shown, but that's all that's ever actually been seen of the film to date. And actually, it was posted to YouTube. And it's a it's a pretty neat watch, honestly. I was I, impressed. Yeah, I like... actually think that's a neat trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was cool... really excited for it. At it's one a point. cool idea for. I mean, I, singular point obviously is like that's how you redo Jet Jaguar. But their idea was was pretty neat it's, it's itself. What what they were going yeah. for. Yeah, there were a lot of guns in that trailer. And that, that director <laughs> did a Zella Monster Martial Law, which is a short film that's pretty neat too. And then we have the uh, the twist of fate, the Mark Carmio and David Hall documentary on Kaiju, Kaiju, Jesus, Peach, oh, Kaiju Lord. fan film, Kaiju Guide, <laughs> and that was that's been officially put to rest and is actually now a lost fan film itself. So the so the the documentary on fan films has uh, lost films has actually become a lost film in and of itself, which is just rest in I, peace. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> It looked awesome. I it mean, like, did. Uh, That's too I remember, bad. Because I remember, I think, I think it was the year that Kaiju Gaiden was unveiled. I, I remember being at G Fest, and maybe I already said this when we talked about Wolfman versus Godzilla. But just like, like the the like someone coming to me, it's like they're going to show footage from Wolfman versus Godzilla. I'm like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if that had not sank so horribly. We probably would have seen some of this stuff <laughs> by now. Um, yeah, especially it's, it's like really, like it is a shame. yeah, like like the Kato stuff. Like I think some of that they were yeah they wanted to put on the Blu-ray edition, uh, and you know that stuff's just rotting in a dude's basement right now. Like, <laughs> and, <sighs> and 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 from what I understand, Kato is has recently passed away. So you know it's like this guy's like work uh, i mean hopefully we can someone can pry it out there and let it let the world <laughs> see it <laughs> yeah for sure because his, his stuff is pretty impressive i, I think we've kind of mentioned that but i mean his stuff was was, was pretty neat looking mm-hmm. well, hopefully some of this exists on some format somewhere which we all know that it does so Someone has to have it. At least forty to fifty percent of it will somehow, we hope, make it out. And if not, it's just another footnote. Like a lot of these end up. <laughs> um. Oh, is the next note me? Yeah, tell That's us about Crescent. Shit. 
Oh, shit. Uh, in 2018, Cressa Maeve Beer starts creating comedic short films with Godzilla toys. These will be used as bumpers for different genre film festivals and at theaters such as Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, in 2020, her short Coming Out went viral and was shown at multiple film festivals and got praise and recognition by Toho on Twitter. If uh, Coming Out is great. Um, it's, coming Out is incredible. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, basically, you know, a, a cute and funny little story about basically little Godzilla coming out to Godzilla that uh, she is trans and Godzilla's, you know, support, support, fatherly support. Um, it's an awesome short. I mean, if you're going to do little like stuff, stop motion stuff with Godzilla toys, I mean... It, it it doesn't get any better. Uh, it was it was really cool to see you know that go viral too. Um, yeah, no, like like like, like uh, even like like mainstream like movie kind of nerd websites were picking up on it and mm-hmm. and that that's that that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, her, no, her other her other stuff was... is is a lot of fun too. You know, they're just little creative things usually about Godzilla and little Godzilla getting into. Or Godzilla, Shenanigan. yeah, shenanigans. They have, they have this like great, like cottage core vibe to them. That's really, it's just really relaxing to watch. These like, low, nice lo-fi fi loops. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> coming, coming, coming out. Um, just I know, like uh, me and several other artists, like we immediately had to go and do fan art of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, and I mean, it, it's cool to see someone do something like that. That gives them an outlet for, you know, their own identity. Cressa is trans as well, and, and the way that she was able to handle that in such a, like, I don't know, it, it usually, usually things like that, there's a, I mean, obvi- because the situation is very heavy, there's a really heavy kind of mood to, to those kinds of stories, and the way that she held, like, she did so well making such a sweet story within it's it's only what like two and a half minutes or something Less yeah, it's pretty that. sure yeah, yeah. Uh, remarkable remarkable um, i think also partly is we see godzilla used as a father figure and it's like well this is really messed up these are not the greatest lessons <laughs> and you see the potential of like well this is if this is something you grew up with and this uses a character that's portrayed as a father figure how can you put something positive out into the world uh, and a message that is long overdue, and honestly, it came out at just the right time of like, well, people could use a nice dose of positivity and hope and a positive male role model and all of these. Th- just there, there's so much in it that's like, oh yes, this is what the world needed at the time that 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 uh, she put it out there, and it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it definitely scratched a certain itch, you know. It came out in the middle of, you know, the COVID pandemic and race riots and all this unpleasant li- unpleasantness, you know. Godzilla says trans rights. <laughs> yeah, now it's now Toho balls in your court to actually like do something. Uh then we'll talk. <laughs> well then again, Japan sinks. I'll I'll give them some credit for that. Toho didn't make that though. Oh they they didn't make that, oh they just licensed it out. Well Toho the ball's still in your court. um well i guess the as we wind down here the last really major thing is uh in 2019 toho uh, partnered with a company called alpha boat to launch 
the Gemstone Fan Film Contest, which they still do. They're not always about God. This was the only one about Godzilla, though. Um, and it's uh, basically kind of like something they use to scout for new talent. Um, the first one they did was for Godzilla. They've since done like a horror one, um, I think an anime one. Um, I think they're going to do an Ultraman one uh, as, as well. Um, they probably put a hold on that because it's Shin Ultraman and being delayed because of COVID and all that. But uh, but Toho encouraged fans um, to create and submit their fan films, and the winners would be able to work on Toho projects. It would kind of just keep them, you know, kind of in in the uh, in in the the stratosphere of you know young and upcoming artists, special effects guys, stuff like that. Uh, over a thousand movies were submitted. Um, Shinji Higuchi was among the judges. Um, the uh, uh, Among the top winners was um, Adelir Kogane Mushi's Godziban, which uh, that, a lot, that was uh, made with Godzilla puppets. Um, they are actually a puppeteer troupe. They'd previously done puppet shows of Godzilla, um, including one that uh, combined Godzilla and Ultraman, Gamera, and Kamen Rider that they did for the 1996 Hero Festival. Um, they also did official Ultra tie-ins um, with a, a puppet series called Ultra P. Um, there was another one called Ultraman Land and uh, Ultraman M730. And... Um, they also collaborated uh, on projects with Junji Ito and AKB48, um, and because... So when, what we're waiting for now is the Junji Ito-AKB48 collaboration. Oh, oh I'd, I'd be all over that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, because Toho were impressed with them, they gave them a, a YouTube series. You know, Godzibon is... Uh, like, every, every week there's a new episode, and they include, like, some really deep-cut monsters and... Uh, I, it's something I would be all over if it had some kind of translation. I, I think one episode got a dub that was terrible, and then only one they it did, was and then only one they did <laughs> subtitles for. But uh, uh, it's wild. Like it's about three. Um, I think it's three brothers. It's the like the '64 Godzilla, Minya, and Little Godzilla are brothers, and like their grandpa is uh, the '54 Godzilla. Their uncle is Shin Godzilla, and it's. It's, 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 is a creepy uncle. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just insane. Um, and then uh, another one was uh, G versus G. That was a one-minute kind of fake trailer um, created by animators Takuya Yunishi and Hikari Yamane, uh, who actually were animators on Shin Godzilla. Um, and that short was really well-received. Um, that Godzilla design would inspire... Um, the Snow Godzilla that appeared in the Shinka Lion anime uh, film. And I think Yunishi uh, was an animator on that as well. Um, and in 2020, the official Toho YouTube posted a teaser for a G versus G2. Uh, and they showed that at their own Godzilla Fest. Um, I'm not sure what the deal is with that. <laughs> Nothing's came of it since. I don't know if that was a fake if if that that was a fake trailer just like G versus G1 was a fake trailer I don't know if there's more to come because it was uh you know po- because Toho showed it and put it on their YouTube I don't know if that makes that like a weird pseudo fan film pseudo official thing who knows um better question who cares uh, me G I I, I, I G versus G whether awesome. it's official or not I mean <laughs> oh well yeah I whatever it's awesome either way 
Um, <laughs> Hedera Silent Spring. Uh, that was the uh, director Hiroto Yokokawa who made the delightfully weird Great Buddha Arrival. Uh, and it was about this guy uh, who, for whatever reason, uh, is disgruntled with society and he finds a, a piece of a hetera and he basically lets it loose in, in the middle of a downtown metropolis and uh, it causes a hetera to grow big and uh, tear stuff up. Um, I, I mean, th- that's just a sample of some of the notable ones, some of the winners, some of the ones that were made by people who... Um, are known within the tokusatsu uh world but uh there's there's a lot of stuff on there the the gemstone entry is like if you're ever bored just go on youtube and just google it like some of them aren't even like short films one of them is a guy doing different with a with a big stand-up contrabass and he's doing different like things to it to reproduce the godzilla roar um, cool. Yeah, one of them yeah, is uh, one of them is a woman um, basically doing a making of of a Godzilla inspired dress that she made from scratch. I mean, uh, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not just like fan film things like that. Some of them are, you know, stuff with different people showing you know d- their their crafts, whether it's music, um, sewing, or uh, nerdy fan films. Um, so that's a really fun rabbit hole to dive into on YouTube. So um, I'm looking forward to the Ultraman one. Um, you know what would be cool? Yeah, co- co- um, are you guys familiar with like the Netflix series Love, Death, and Robots? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be really neat if like they did a contest like this, and they basically like picked like their favorite ten people and just gave them some money and and had them do like a short that they would could just put out as like an anthology series like Love Death and Robots or something and just, you know, put it on a streaming service or whatever. That'd be cool. You mean yeah, almost yeah. like things that are happening right now on Disney Plus? Well, yeah, or yeah, like um like, you know, a lower budget version of like what they're doing with was the the Star Wars anime thing where like it's an anthology with each from a different creator, like do something like that. Yeah, that'd be really dope. I don't know if Toho is like that clever but (laughs) 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 but they should be um and then jared you got a guy oh yeah jared you have a guy (laughs) i I got a guy you know i mean just speaking of like modern fan films i just wanted to give a shout out to uh jake jake denunzio um daikaiju legends on youtube um he did the the very small handful of um like beams, like the VFX that we needed to finish Sword of versus Godzilla, which was actually really funny because when I asked him about it, he got really excited because I am old and he was in like middle school whenever I first said I was making it. So and now he's like thirty. <laughs> uh, no, he's not quite that old, but he's he is an adult now, and it is it is it was charming and upsetting to have that exchange. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't watched uh, all of his stuff. But uh, as far as like the people on YouTube, like doing like like taking like the SH figure arts, monster arts, etc., and like and the NECA stuff, and like turning them into stop motion fan films um, of the stuff that I have seen, much of which is like very self important. Uh, I think his is actually really fun. 
Um, he has like a whole like Zone Fighter season two thing, which is uh, actually how I got in contact with him initially because he he bought a mask that I made to use for that. Um, and yeah, no, I just I think his work is really cool. You know what I've seen of it, um, and I just wanted to give him a little shout out because um, there's a, a lot of what he does is, is pretty pretty charming. You know, so if and, and, and very 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 well done in that genre of a fan film, which I yeah. normally, which I normally kind of write off. Well, there, there's so much of it, like, you know, the, you know, people using figures for stop motion things. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, there's so much of it that it's really easy for something like that to kind of get uh, just buried, <laughs> you yeah. know, under, under so much other content, yeah. you know, and, you, and, YouTube and, has, is just crawling with that stuff. Yeah, and, like, what I like about the stuff of his that I've seen, like, it, just in general, he tends, I feel like he's he's a bit more thoughtful than some of the other people out there doing that kind of stuff. Like, he did, um, not even a fan film, but he did a video essay on Godzilla's Revenge and, like, like a film theory thing on it that was really great. Um, you know, so he's he, multi-talented. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Can I, get, can I shout out a couple of, uh, a guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got, uh, I got a guy. Uh, I got a guy here. Uh, his name is Josh. He goes by Spaghetti Jesus ninety six on Instagram. Now that's a um, name. He does a, yeah, <laughs> he does a lot of live visuals for bands uh, in New York, and he is a huge kaiju Godzilla fan and everything. Um, some of his stuff is influenced by by kaiju. Obviously, he's done you know in in July he did like a Gamera three clay figure he's done a lot of you when you go to his channel you can see it's just like oh it's expressing your creativity and being into this stuff and using it in a very different way like if you know uh the animator bruce bickford who did a bunch of stuff for frank zappa um it's kind of he, he does a lot of cool psychedelic stop uh claymation or clay animation uh he's done a few music videos for different bands and a lot of live visuals that's uh, awesome but Highly recommend checking his stuff out. Nice, nice. Hell yeah! So that's fan films, people. There's lots fan of fan films. There are fan films. I'm not sure that I quite still get it. <laughs> you know, I, we opened with me asking, like, so, like, what is with the fan films? What? Why do people make them? Uh, I, I have a mildly better understanding of it, but. <laughs> Uh, I still also kind of don't get it, but you know, but, but there's some, there's some, there's a good, the bad and the ugly out there. And, uh, the good ones are really good. And the ugly are, those are really bad. I mean, the good ones are, are Godzilla versus Mito Komon and only that. And the rest are just (laughs) Oh, there's other, oh, you're, you're, you're mean. I mean, you know, no, it's just that one's that good. If I had to pick one, even even having created one of the other ones, I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I guess I guess uh, I guess that's it. We've we've gone on very for a very long time here. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, we can peace out now. Excellent. Bye. Bye, now everybody. Just get the shill don't, now? don't delete this. Don't let it become a lost episode. Uh, I'll try Wait, my best. Did we get the shill? Because I know I've shilled, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah. so party. What? Have we have we shilled? Have we shilled you? Like, where, where where can people find you? Um, I don't know. I may be becoming a lost film right now. 
You're, you're have you you've shielded yourself already? I don't remember. Well, I mean, the whole first half of the episode was me shilling myself, but if you don't already know where to find me, it's Xenofauna, Instagram, YouTube, etc. <laughs> Go shill oh. yourself. Alright, well I'm on Instagram at Cosmic Monster Sounds, Cosmicmonster.bandcamp.com, Cosmicmonster.org, Cosmic Monster Sounds on TikTok. I have a Facebook <laughs> page, but honestly, stop using Facebook. That's the only one I use, really. I know. Stop it. It's pathetic. I'm too old Um, to not use it. There there is. I have a Xenofauna Facebook page, so no one else can take it. But like the algorithm hates creators. Yeah, (laughs) nothing will see anything either of us do. So you're better off going literally anywhere else. Yes. (laughs) Please follow me on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, I I have a YouTube channel I need to get back to. But Instagram and TikTok, I've been using more than anything to do some. Music, sounds, video, artsy things. Okay, Zoomer. Listen. <laughs> you're old. I was gonna say, you, you old fucking fogey, let him do his thing. His shit's off. <laughs> anyway, yes, check these guys out, you know. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Follow yeah. them. Bye. Buy their things. It. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye everybody. You. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.